session. We haven't done this since the Great Hunt when we actually drink a little bit too much to maybe talk coherently and we spent 15 minutes rambling about stuff and looking at Taylor Swift's hair. Taylor Swift's hair was a big topic. Um, <laughs> a lot has changed in the world of celebrity gossip and in our yeah. lives. We have not talked about the Taylor Swift kidney drama. Drama. What? Kidney drama. Kimmy. Kimmy. I heard kidney, but I clearly have <laughs> um, other topics on my drama. mind. Paige and I have independently of this podcast. Um, also, Taylor Swift's hair is back to her natural color. And the she's other day, she wore it out curls. curls. Yeah, she's trying to get her natural color back, like, which I think is really great. living in a blessed time. Yeah. <laughs> so Thank God for the curl era of Taylor Swift has returned to floral dresses and curls. Like, her straight hair was great, too, but, like, I really like the now she's embracing her now. Anyway. Okay. So, now that we've started there. So, I'm Paige. <laughs> I'm Michelle. And tonight we are, we're so excited to be talking about I'm podcasting. Team Cam. <laughs> what? I'm Team Kim Kanye. I'm like, are you for real? I am. Really? Yeah, I love it. As in life, life. I like him on Team Taylor Swift all the way. And I don't think this should like mar her as a person irreparably. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That Uh, was meant to be closer than it was. (laughs) Irreparably. Did I say that right? Whatever. But I think the Snapchat videos pretty much show that Taylor was maybe fibbing. I think, yeah, I mean, okay, all right, well, now that we started talking about, you know, let's finish, but, <laughs> I, like, for, I like, really wanted to have a Taylor Swift podcast, Like, but. Kim Kardashian <laughs> is, like, Kim Kardashian, like, I'm probably not going to be on her side, like, like, I can't see a lot, of, there's not a lot of common ground between me and Kim Kardashian, is there a lot of common ground between me and Taylor Swift? Um, I don't know. If Taylor Swift may be part of her squad, then absolutely. Um, what were we talking about? Okay, so the thing with Taylor Swift is, like, her branding is all about, like, her, like, innocence and, like, the fact that... Michelle, don't throw up, please. Okay, so we'll talk about it later. But, uh, um, and with... I think she, like, she knew about Kanye's thing. Like, maybe she might be technically right in that, like, I guess she didn't know that he was going to call her a bitch or whatever. Is that That's the issue true. in contention? Taylor just, okay, the thing is, like, Taylor just needs to not talk about it. Taylor just needs to take the high road. She needs to, like, maintain a silence about it and just, like, your branding can't be about innocence and naive, like, it can't be about that when you knew. You just, you can't get involved in the fray. Like, if you get involved in the fray, Kim Kardashian is going to beat you because that's where she lives. And, like, Kim Kardashian, like, she's a reality TV star. She's always going to um, beat you at she's the... She's also a mobile app mogul. Okay. She's always going to beat you at the level of, like, getting down in the mud and just, like... <laughs> um. I mean, the Kardashians are honestly, like, marketing geniuses. Like, you yeah. know how much money America spent on them? So, like, be careful. They know what they're doing. They, like... If your brand is about being authentic and, like, speaking from your heart and having all your emotions out there, which is what Taylor Swift's brand is about. Oh, my God. All right. Hey, guys. We're back at Michelle's house. <laughs> we haven't podcasted at Michelle's house for a while. We podcasted at my house. Um, but we're back with Michelle's crazy dog. So. <laughs> and my dog's in a bad mood tonight because... He's he growling. Has a, he has a toy, and he thinks that everyone's after him. No one's after it. No one wants it at all. <laughs> so. I kind of want to take it away from him so he stops growling, but... Let's just leave it alone. Hope he stops. Um, okay, anyway, let's move on. Okay, welcome back to Drunk Podcasting. So tonight we have already had a quarter of a bottle of red wine. Actually, the show hasn't finished hers. 
I drink mine. Yeah, Nichelle doesn't actually drink anything. I drink mine like a shot. Now we're on to mint juleps, which you should be on our Insta. You should be an Instagram follower of us because we just made an Instagram story. Don't you can't stir that because I'm sure the ice. I'm sure that we pick up that sound. Um, <laughs> perfect. Um, so now we're drinking mint juleps, which I really like. I like at this point. I'm a little bit buzzed, you know, and I think this tastes great. Michelle doesn't really like the taste of alcohol at this point. I don't even register as an alcohol. I'm usually just something nice that I'm drinking. Like, I like it when it tastes like sugar. You should finish your red wine and then go back to your mint julep. But then you said it was going to be really watered down. Well, now you've tried it, and now you can go back to your red wine, and then you get to, it's fine. To, like, cleanse my palate. Cleanse it with the red wine. Or water. I haven't had any water. Nichelle, I think, poured some. Nichelle poured some water for me, but I don't know. It's right over there. It's on the side table. I'm going to get hammered. I'm saying, okay, again, we'd like to stress that we're not, um... In favor of you drinking irresponsibly. We are at Nichelle's house. Nichelle's parents are out, which is why we were throwing this rager. We're both 23 years old. We're both t- Holy shit! <laughs> oh <laughs> my god. Guys, Nichelle turned 23. <laughs> two days ago. Three. Three days ago. Four? Three days ago. I can't even tell you count. Three or four days ago. Yeah, yeah, then she'll 23, we're both 23 now, because I'm going to turn 24 in, like, three months. <laughs> Let's not I think about that. 23. <laughs> yeah, 22, the Taylor Swift song no longer applies to you, which kind There's of There's a Miley Cyrus song in it, though. Ooh. Yeah. I've never heard it. Don't even know how it goes, but I assume it's not. We can't play it for you, because we're really worried about copyright, because of our, like, one listener, maybe he's a copyright lawyer. We know about plagiarism. We went to school. And we got yelled at once. Well, I got yelled at once by one of my pretty Oh my gosh, my our teachers. freshman ancient civ teacher. Yeah. Oh, I'm talking about. Oh. I'm talking about. Oh, Nichelle Richard. really plagiarized. Wow. <laughs> I'm talking about Richard. Dark not stuff about is Cam. coming out. <laughs> Mr. Umbach? Richard! <laughs> Sorry, I don't refer to our high school teachers by their first name. <laughs> we do on the podcast for the. In Euro? Yeah. What do you do? The whole class didn't cite things on that Napoleon paper, and he yelled Ooh. at us, and it was so scary. Wow. Yeah, you guys are juniors. You should have known. We should have known better. Especially after Kim well, yelled at us in ninth grade and Civ. Because we all cited our quotes, but we didn't cite our, like, factual material, and he was like, all of you should be kicked out of ID. Oh. It was really scary. I got That's yelled at twice shit. in Mr. Ombach's junior year class, and I was just like, goodbye, anonymity. <laughs> I was gonna correct it, and then I was like, you know, never mind. <laughs> um, yeah. Ooh, he yelled at me once off. for talking, and I got so mad, and I like pouted like a teen because I was a teen. Okay. Um. <laughs> yeah. I like pouted the rest of the day in that class. I'm familiar then, with this this part of Michelle's then, personality, and it doesn't just extend to her teenage years. <laughs> This might have happened on a podcast or two. Or two or three, <laughs> whatever. It doesn't matter. Okay, well, we don't need to talk about those podcasts. Because part of me might still be a little bit mad about We that. don't have any closure on that because we never discussed it. Because we shouldn't have discussed Because it's going to get ugly again. We could discuss it maybe after this podcast. We after, y- yeah, we're going to. We get hammered and then we'll just. I'm just trying to drink my alcohol. I'm not trying to take your toys. 
two seconds or okay, okay, let's move on. Okay, I'm sorry. We're let's get started on this podcast. We thought we were gonna just like oh, camera this. Let out. me tell you what book we're reading. We're reading yeah. <laughs> You didn't pick the title? Wink no I went the author name. Oh Weekly like, Hot are you? by April Genevieve Tickled. We don't have her from the fourth life. It's the last pronounced <laughs> Sure. April Genevieve. But author of Between the Devil and the Deep Blue Sea. Which her author photo, like, seems like it might not have enough, like, half her face is in shadow, you know? She also looks like she's 15. But she has a husband. I read that on her. She does. She lives in Oregon. She has a husband. This is completely irrelevant. But we, yes, we read Rink Poppy Midnight. The subtitle of which, It's been very you. buzzy. It's new. It is new. It came out in March. Yeah. Oh, um, is that what that means? Yeah. Oh, our library puts, you know, the new stickers on books, and there's one that, there's, this one says new 03, and I've just never noticed slash always ignored the numbers, mm-hmm. but that means March. Yep. Oh, I learned new things So they know day. when to take it off. The color changes every year, and oh. if it's been on for more than a year, they take it off. Oh, that's so clever. I didn't know any of that. I've just been ignoring things. Don't touch the cover too much, because it's crinkly. Oh, yeah. These are things I've learned to, in sound editing. <laughs> I want to read it. I did want. I did want to read you the subtitle. Okay, because yeah. now books have subtitles. Books have subtitles, which yeah. we talked like about movies. Michelle will read it um, to you. A hero, a villain, a liar. Who's who? I wish I would read this initially because so as we'll get into this is narrated by Wink, Poppy, and Midnight, hence the title. Um, and it's not like Whiskey Foxtrot Tango or <laughs> Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. Those are very different abbreviations. Where that's mm-hmm. an abbreviation for something, that's not an abbreviation. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. You said whiskey, fox out tango, and so then it's I just started saying it to myself without the abbreviation and was like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> that doesn't work as well. That doesn't work at all. Because I was going to say it might be like for the wind, but it's like a different combination. It would okay. be like foxtrot, tango, whiskey. Perfect. Um, anyway, so it's not like that. It's told from the perspective of Wink, Poppy, and Midnight. These are people, human people. Supposedly. Even though they have no, they are. names that are celebrity names. Even though they have names that aren't names. They're just nouns. Poppy's name is a name. Poppy is a real name, yeah. Mostly Midnight, Wink. Those aren't names. Uh, less, less of names. To the point of not being names at all. But um, they are names now. Yeah, anyway. did you want to talk about the subtitle? That's what you're trying to yeah. talk about. So, if I would have read that subtitle before tonight, maybe it would have clued me in a little bit on what was happening, because it's pretty clear who the hero and who the villain is, and you're kind of trying to figure out, well, okay, who you think the hero and who you think the villain is, but the fact that there's a liar in the mix really would have, like, colored my reading. I don't know if that would have been a good thing or a bad thing, but it didn't because it wasn't a thing, because I didn't read that subtitle. I just felt like, from, you know, the get-go, everything was obvious. Not that I knew it was going to happen, but I knew what was set up to happen. The subtitle, you know, hero, villain, liar, okay, who's who. The fact that it asks who's who, you're already like, okay, there's going to be an obvious hero, an obvious villain, somebody else. Yeah. And But we know that who's who, that whole question means that it's all going to get inverted. Right. So you already know all of that before the book starts. Yeah. I think I was a little bit clued into that. I knew that there was going to be some not black and whiteness to who is the hero and who is the villain. Um... But this third, the way the third party plays in, the way Wink winds up playing in, well, I, that was a curveball for me. I had, like, no idea that was going to happen. I just, like, Michelle didn't read the subtitle. 
I did read the subtitle. I read an ebook version, so. <laughs> um, <laughs> struggles. But, yeah, I wound up reading an ebook version, and if you've read anything on an ebook, you know that it don't, normally doesn't start at the cover. Yeah, yeah. Like, it just automatically fast forwards you to, like, the dedication or the first page. Um, and I, I didn't go back and look at the cover. Because so. why? We already got right. the book. We're already stuck. I had, like, <laughs> seen the cover when we were, like, browsing, but. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, I already knew that, and so I was kind of already like, okay, yeah, like, Poppy's the obvious villain. We'll get into, we'll tell you why, but Midnight Fairy's hero. And then, like, you know that it's all going to be set up to invert. So I kind of, like, like, I knew that somehow, some way, they were going to get to this point where everything sort of shifted. But because I already knew that in the beginning, it was never surprising. It was a little bit surprising to me. Because yeah. even though there wasn't that subtitle, um, there is kind of a fairy tale motif, you could call it, mm-hmm. woven throughout the book. So it's, like, pretty clear. And I think it starts out with, hold on. I think it starts with, no, it doesn't. Okay. <laughs> JK, I wrote a different book in my head. It starts out with a Joseph Campbell book that says, or a Joseph Campbell quote that says, you're the hero of your own story. Um, oh, yeah. What was that quote, actually? The the epigraph? What does it say? You are the hero of your own story by Joseph Campbell. Joseph Campbell is a scholar of religion, isn't he? He's a scholar of religion. He studies particularly actually archetypes in religion and how religious stories play into, are similar with across cultures and how there's similar archetypes within religious stories and kind of the idea of myth and how that plays into religion and things like that. Yeah, and my, like, one lone religion class little, I took. He's a little bit of a woo-woo religion scholar. So I got more that ac- feeling. <laughs> yeah, some of them more academic. I guess not academic, but... <laughs> but some analytical? Of more, yeah, well, that's analytical, what we'd say in con- philosophy. Conservative, but. like, conservative meaning, like, Feet more, on the ground. <laughs> more inclined to go with traditional understandings of religious study. Yeah. Um, don't really love him, but... It's interesting. Yeah. And he's also uh, more widely read by, like, an average Joe than, like... Yeah, for sure. Someone... Because that seems a lot more fascinating than, like, an actual, right. like, academic right. straight up, like... Yeah, but I've read Campbell in my religious classes. He does, he, yeah, religious theory. So he does, yeah. rather than specific, a lot of religious theory about archetypes and story within religion. Yeah, I took one religion class in Spain, in Spanish, and I freaking rocked it cause I, because I had background knowledge. Also because I studied for the exam, and so then I knew everything because I studied for it. Unlike the rest of my classmates, I guess, didn't study for it. So my professor was impressed with me, and I was like, Yep, I learned the answers we were supposed to know before the test. Um, it's fine. I like I am that person who like gets praise from a teacher or professor and will save that for the rest of their life. <laughs> um, I have a problem. Don't worry about it. I really like external validation. Um, yeah, I like wrote a paper on like Paleolithic. What was I doing? I don't know. I was in I was in Spain and I wrote a paper on paleolithic religion because I had to because I was taking the religion class so that I could justify to the teacher licensure department that this was the class I took to fulfill my like um, like my prehistoric history requirement for that doesn't make any sense. Prehistoric history is an oxymoron. <laughs> my um. My, like, early, early history, like, early societies, Neolithic, Paleolithic, whatever, requirement for my history license. 
whatever. No one gives a shit. I don't even give a shit. But I came across Joseph Campbell uh-huh. in the Spanish library. He's around. He gets around, that Joseph. I'm glad we went into that tangent because that was super relevant. Um, so back to the book. I think that's very the, – the, 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 it's important for the book. Like, there's a lot of – we want to talk about this more later after we, like, tell you about the book, but archetypes and mythology is clearly a huge part of this book. Yeah. Like, the core like all tenet. Of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, all of it to the point where, like, it no longer becomes just kind of, like, the theme that it's based around. It's also, like, the largest plot device yeah. as well as the theme. Yeah. Um, it is – as we like to say, laid on with a ladle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's talk about the quick plot. I am going to try and drive us forward and get this plot done in five minutes. And she's going to interject with tangent, so we're going to take us 15 minutes. <laughs> All right, okay, so there's three characters you gathered, Wink, Poppy, Midnight, and it is narrated by the three of them. Um, why these names? Uh, okay, so this I thought this was kind of an, I don't know, weird at least. Maybe not interesting. Interesting slash weird slash something. Um, you know, we yeah. talked about, Michelle, don't make your dog growl, we're <laughs> recording. Um, I know you're bored, but, like, try and keep your focus for, like, three minutes. God, <laughs> finish your wine. Michelle's, like, not drinking anything. Me, on the other hand, I'm just, like, She's I want to, okay, I just want to remind everyone, okay, if you thought we had a low tolerance to alcohol when we drank all that vodka and we're like, wow, what's wrong with us? Okay, we drank, like, you know, half the bottle, but whoops. Um, we went on a camping trip recently. You might know it from our previous podcast and Instagram. Book camp, about book camp 2016. Woo! Yeah, it was a great time. Michelle's a lifelong camper now, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> you liked it? It wasn't horrible. I didn't dislike it. <laughs> That's good enough. That's close enough. That's a good start. It was um, fine. I don't really understand the appeal. Um... <laughs> <sighs> It'll be great. We'll do it another time, and you'll book t- look forward to Book Camp 2017, is what I'm telling you. We mostly just sat around and read a book for the entire day. Yeah, well, I mean, A, we could plan better ourselves and not have to force ourselves to reading a I mean, that was mostly me. To yeah. reading a whole book. I read two when we were up there. On the on the camp, yeah. I finished one and then read it for everyone. Yeah, but I mean, Book Camp 2016 was not only a book camp we podcasted, we also had to read the whole damn book. <laughs> I had to read the whole damn book, because... I was busy getting ready for book camp, so I didn't read the book. Um, we also were at, like, a small forest service site. There was a lot of – there was no hiking at the site. We really need to go to somewhere where you can do more at the campsite. There's a cool waterfall. There was a cool – we got good Instagram shots, is the point. Uh, so follow us on Instagram because you'll see more. Um, we have some nice stuff for that. But, yeah, that's true. Okay, well, what, why did I start talking about that, though? What are I talking about? book wink poppy midnight i have no idea how i got there anyway back okay to the, book. the book so it's kind of interesting strange like these characters have names that aren't names and they live you i picked on it up on it really quick because i live in colorado but um they clearly live in a ski town of colorado a resort town a very like it's aspen or vale it's essentially it's called broken bridge but it's essentially aspen or vale is where they live basically a very very wealthy town where you get a lot of um celebrities and rich people that come to they you know their kid weird things yeah have their second home and their third home and live there but the weird i mean 
we've talked about magical realism on the podcast before, and I don't think of this as an example of magical realism, because it's not. But... I still don't know what that magical realism is, guys. Yeah, so I'm just going to be the voice that says it's not. Because I was reading this, and I was like, I wonder if this is magical realism. I don't think it is. And we don't have to talk Towards about... Towards the end, it's definitely not. In the middle, there's a point in which I was like, maybe this is. But then by the time you get to the end, you're like, no. I don't think it is, but there are clearly some fantasy strands woven in, maybe. Something's going on. But are they really? Because I feel like by the end, we've proven that none of them are real. No, well, I guess the I, mom is still, like, reads terrible. I mean, there's some, like, magic-y things. Yeah. And as a reader, you could choose to believe whether tarot but or not, whatever is real or not. Yeah, but not more magic than, like, many people would believe existed in, like, the, this world. I'm kind of thinking, like, the weird names, the, like, you know, the made-up town, okay, whatever, but plus the weird names. Plus, okay, like, they weird live names in this, don't mean magic. No, but they live in the whole, the town where, like... You know, like, so there's, we have a blue twist river in this town. We have a golden apple mine. Like, it's a... It's a fairy tale town. It's a fairy tale. That's, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. It's, yeah. I feel like... It's, it's fairy tale-esque. It's, it's not magical realism. There we go. Yeah, it's very fairy tale-esque in a way that, like, that's not an actual genre, but if it was, this would fit inside of it. Yeah, so it took me five minutes in a group conversation to get there, but it's again... It's like one show, Once Upon a Time. So I've had a lot to drink. I haven't seen that show, but... I, I saw the first chance. episode because I thought the concept was going to be, like, awesome. And I watched one episode, which maybe I should have watched more before I actually made a decision. But I was like, well, it's fine, but whatever. And that's all I saw. Maybe it's awesome. I don't know. Um, Write it to us and tell us. Yeah, you can you can tell me if I'm wrong. I guess a lot of people are, like, really into it. It's on season, like, 187, so. Apparently. Yeah, it started, like, my freshman year. Of college, because that was the time I watched the one episode. It was when Hampshire Halloween was happening. Hampshire Halloween, okay, five, I went to the Mount Holyoke, which is part of the five college consortium, so Hampshire was in our consortium. Every five college has, like, a big major party that's, like, their thing. Ours was Vegas night, and Vegas night got shut down because um, shit went down on Vegas night night. Like, people got drunker than they'd ever been before. We can talk about that later. Slash never. But Hampshire's is Hampshire Halloween, which used to be called Trip or Treat. Not trick or treat. You heard me right. Trip or treat. Like, not tripping on sidewalk cracks. No, tripping. <laughs> on acid. Which is, Kim, speaking of acid, that's why I actually picked this book. Because someone described it as hallucinogenic, which is not how I read it. Which was unfortunate, because that's what I was looking forward to. Yeah. That, they meant the prose was hallucinogenic. The prose was, like, airy. Very ethereal, I would maybe call it. It was, like, yeah. It was fairy tale. At some points, it was like too much. I was like, oh, okay. I liked it was, it. but it was. It was, it was very close to we were. It was close in some ways to we were liars. The prose of E. Lockhart. Yeah. But at least, but I, like I hate, like I straight up hated the prose in E. Lockhart. Yeah. It was poetic, but like not just like jumbled in a mess. And this book, at least, we have meaningful propositional content and grammar and like yeah. sentences end. You know? The complete sentences part is, like, really important. Um, it's really important for me as a reader, yeah. And I think this book had that, so. I we give it, like. I appreciate that. A, like, a 9 out of 10 on complete sentences, I would say. Yeah, so congratulations. If you don't have complete sentences, I'm going to get so tired. We're going to give you a bad grade in that aspect of our rubric. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, God. 
Anyway, back to the plot. So we haven't introduced anybody except the setting. <laughs> Sorry. Very Fairytale-esque. Okay, that's what I meant to say. Wink, Poppy, Midnight. It's narrated by these three people. Wink, Poppy, and Midnight. Wink, Poppy, Midnight. Um, Midnight is a boy. He is... Which you might not have gathered because the name is Midnight, so... What that's the heck gender is that? The name of a horse. Or a dog. Dog. A big dog. Like a Great Dane. I've been to the, like, the National, like... Cowboy Museum in Oklahoma City, or is it Tulsa? Oh, shit. Oklahoma. <laughs> Oklahoma. Oklahoma. I know the whole song, guys, but I'm not going to sing it because I can't sing. Shit. They just inquire in high school. So. For no reason. Not because I could sing, just because I like to sing. Not because it was not based on ability. I like to sing. That's why I, I drive got into the I got into the audition choir. Yeah, exactly. That's why I drive a car. <laughs> I got into the audition choir, but not because I could sing, just because I could play the piano. Let's be real. Like we all know, that's not based on singing ability. It was like I could read music and I played the piano. Remember in high school, and I could like would occasionally we would always company. be like, Paige, play piano for us. Paige, sing for us. <laughs> this happened like frequently when we came over to your house. This is mostly me. Not gonna <laughs> lie. Um, when Alyssa. Kirsten and I would come over. Really? I'd be like, Paige, can you sing for us? And you're like, no, I don't sing. And we're like, turn the fire, Paige. Yeah, I don't sing. Paige, can you play the piano for us? I went to Paige's piano recital once. That was exciting. And also one time to her piano lesson. It was a bad recital because I wasn't ready at all. The piano lesson was weird. I had to sit at a table in the kitchen for like 10 minutes. And then I had to sit and listen to Paige play. Because her piano teacher was like, come here, come here. I had a 45-minute lesson. <laughs> so for 10 minutes, I sat in the kitchen. And for the other 30, 35. I sat, and she made you play pieces, and she asked me my thoughts on them. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> good time. All right, the book. <laughs> Whatever. Bye, guys. That's <laughs> the book. Okay. All right. Midnight. It's, oh, because, okay. I was talking about being to the going to the National Cowboy Museum, because there's a, is it a horse? It's a horse. There's a famous horse, maybe it's a bull, but I thought it was a horse, called Five Minutes to Midnight, and I think that's a really great name. Moving on. Midnight is a hero. He's a boy. At the beginning of the novel, he is hopelessly in love with Poppy. Poppy is a villain. Why? We know this because Poppy's a straight-up bitch, and she, and she knows it, too. Like, she's, and because we get it narrated from everybody's from these three points of view. And Poppy's like, yeah, I'm mean to everybody. Like, I hate all of these people. I'm smarter than all of them. I'm better than all of them. They suck. Um, and, like, I have no problem tormenting all of them. Like, Poppy knows it, and she is totally fine with it. So Poppy, at one point, I'm going to read the quote that, like, really sums up Poppy. I have never, this is Poppy speaking, I have never cried because there are only two reasons why people cry. One is empathy. The other is self-pity. And I have never had any of either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Poppy is clearly drawn as a stone-cold bitch. Um, she also says at one point, I had acquired the yellows my sophomore year because people of my caliber needed an entourage. <laughs> yeah, she forms her own gang, essentially. She's like a, like a, just like a crueler, meaner version of like Blair from Gossip Girl. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I haven't seen Gossip Girl, but Michelle's right, so it's fine. Minus uh, the headbands. Minus headbands, probably, yeah. Yeah, but Midnight is, like, sort of hopelessly in love with her. Um, why? Unclear, because she's a horrible... She's really beautiful, I guess. Like, she looks like a blonde 
She looks like a Barbie. Angel, Barbie, she princess. Like apple cheeks, which I'm like, is that a good feature? She's a, well, isn't like, like the natural flush? That's nice. I thought it meant like round, like, oh, baby cheeks. And I, was I like, mean, maybe she has some like roundness to her cheeks, which is fine. I don't know. Her hair is really freaking pretty. That's all I've gotten. She has beautiful, Golden silky blonde hair. And I the color of stars. Which beautiful blue eyes. And I assume the natural blush to your cheeks. She's hecka white. Pale skin. She <laughs> looks like a snow maiden. A milkmaid. Angel. You get the idea. So I guess he's in love with her because she's really pretty. Is what I take away. Poppy thinks he's like... <laughs> um, just like such a moron, you know. Poppy doesn't care for him at all. But it's like totally fine sleeping with him because... He's attractive, you know, so at least everyone knows that she has good taste. <laughs> um, and the story starts, you know, we know that he's in love with Poppy, that he slept with her. Um, Poppy really only cares about Midnight. She doesn't care about him at all, but she the only way she's invested in their relationship is that, like, she has him under her control, and that's all she wants is to have people under her control, to be in charge, and, like, she wants to have power over these people, and she does. And mm-hmm. that's really where she gets yeah. off. Um, we kind of learn more about Poppy. The motivations behind Poppy being such a bitch are, like, never fully, fully fleshed out. Um, she's kind of a bitch because I guess her parents were too nice to her. <laughs> um, they, like, just spoiled her too much. Hashtag first world problem. And I think part of it is, like, she's very smart and, like, very capable. And I think she kind of only feels valued for, like, the way she looks. Uh-huh. And so is mean to everyone. That's not really a good justification. No, but I think that's at all. the one we get. Yeah. Because the only one she li- the only person she's ever really liked was her grandpa, who just, like, treated her like a person. Yeah. Like, he, he treated her like he treated everyone else. Yeah, mostly kind of ignored her in kind of some ways. Not really, but, like... Yeah. You know, they'd spend a lot of time in silence, for example. Yeah. He didn't have to coddle her or anything and didn't appear mm-hmm. especially like that. Um... Yeah, and she mentioned that she's, like, you know, I'm, you know, like, broken and self-destructive and, like, mean and cruel to people, and, like, I know I should stop, but I can't. Um, yeah. Which, okay, I don't really know how far that excuse goes. Yeah. See, the thing, like, I understand, and I'm, I'm interested in, like, female characters, heroines, who are just, like, who are self-destructive. Yeah, for sure. Um, but there's a line between self-destructive and destructive. You know, there's the part where you're, like, I'm broken, like, I have problems, and, like, I take it out on, like, myself, basically. Um, and, like, I'm a failure, and, like, I do these things that, like, just sabotage myself. But Poppy totally crosses that line to the point where it's not self-destructive anymore. She's taking it out on other people. Like, aggressive. And that, once you pass that line, I don't really understand that. I understand, and I'm very interested in, especially in terms of literature, but, like, the conflict where you're, like, I really, like, hate myself and, like, see myself as a problem. And the ways in which you destroy and sabotage yourself. Well, once you cross that line to destroying other people, like, I don't really see the justification for it. I don't really see how you get there. Yeah. I found myself really enjoying Poppy as a character. Um, and I frequently find myself really enjoying, like, the bitch character. Um, but this book, she's, like, to another level than most other characters. Mm-hmm. There's very little humanizing aspects of her. Later we get a little bit more, but, like, honestly, it's not very much. It's very... <laughs> Yeah. Like it's not very extensive, but I found myself really enjoying Poppy and, like, really wondering <laughs> why I liked her so much. Um, 
don't really necessarily have an answer for that, but I did find myself really enjoying Poppy. Poppy was my favorite character in this book. Um, yeah. Wow. I, I didn't enjoy Poppy. Three. Um, I guess I don't know who my favorite character in the three was. I guess Midnight, but, um... My least favorite was Wink. Like, I pretty much, like, we've talked about this before in the podcast, as in Michelle's talked about it. I'm an absolutist, like, really into right and wrong, really into, like, truth, and, like, like, I really do see things in black and white, and, like, okay. Um, so, like, I can't find a justification for everybody's behavior. I don't, like, I can't, like, okay, fine, like, her parents are too nice to her, like, okay, whatever, like, she's pretty, like, that's such a cross to bear, um, whatever. Like, it... Okay, like, fine. I don't see how that generates all this cruelty towards other people that right. it's just, like, so beyond. But, like, so in other books, like, A Study in Charlotte, like, Charlotte Holmes, um, like, I loved her. And, like, she's not nice. And she's sharp and, like... But her meanness isn't powerful. I think it's not directed at other people, really. Right, and it doesn't give her any power. The fact that she's, like, mean and doesn't socially interact with people doesn't give her power. Her power mm-hmm. comes from her intelligence and has okay. really little to do with niceness to other people and I think the the thing that I really like is this power these people that like are mean to everyone but still like are like the most popular girls in school and like everyone sort of hates them but like is it the worst but they still have like a following and there's this this is like an archetype that is repeated again and again we see this character who's the most powerful girl it's typically a girl Who's like the queen bee, uh-huh. and everyone hates her. And it, I mean, it, clearly it's an, something that people like watching because we see it like again and again in books and in television and in movies, and in real life. I mean, this is I mean, this is where this supposedly comes from. I feel like it's I've from never the seen real this. life person who's super mean but isn't super popular. I haven't seen that. Do you know anyone like that? Well, you want me to start naming names? <laughs> Like, I mean, think middle school, high school, like, the really popular people, but who are also, like, bitches. <laughs> like, I don't know anybody. Maybe I, maybe if you don't know them, then you are that person. <laughs> My dad was at someone else's house, and they were talking about how annoying their neighbors were, and they were like, you must have some really annoying neighbors, and my dad was like, no, our neighbors are all really nice, and then they were like, I guess she must be the annoying neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, this is, like, I took a whole seminar on medieval queenship, and a lot, like, we spent the whole semester talking about women in power, basically, right. especially historically, and how you, like, find out, like, how you even, what does it mean for women to have power, especially historically when they technically don't. So, like, one of the case studies we talked about was, like, Theodora, this Byzantine empress. So, technically, yeah. under the law, like, women have no power. They're very unempowered. Like, they're, like, there's nothing. They have no legal recourse. So, Theodora, as an empress, in one way, technically has no power, right? She's a female. So, there's no, she doesn't have this legal standing. In another way, Theodora as Empress, like, Theodora practically ran, like, her own, like, black ops operation. Like, she had, like, a freaking dungeon and, like, right. threw people into it and, like, you were never heard from again. So what does it mean to talk about Theodora or women in history of, like, having power? Like, legally they have nothing. Right. But, like, if she throws you in prison and you're never heard from again, like, uh-huh. what do we call that then? And so there's some scholars who are like, well, they don't have any power because they don't have it legally. Like, right. okay. But it really seems like she's getting shit done. Like, right. <laughs> it really seems like she has a lot of... And some, some people will be like, it's not power, it's influence. Like, is that a distinction that is meaningful? No, it's a, <laughs> type, of, that's a type of power. 
Like, you know, maybe she doesn't have constitutional power, but, like, at the point where you're destroying people's lives, like... Yeah. Mm, okay. Perhaps those characters become so interesting because they kind of speak to the fragility of power, but they mm-hmm. also sometimes, not always, but sometimes they talk, they speak to the fact that they're, like, uh, innately given power in our society because they're typically, like, almost always very beautiful and considered very beautiful by kind of the adults around them. Yeah, Theodora, and if you listen to, um, what's his name? Procopius, the Byzantine historian of the secret history, which Donna Tartt took his title to get a novel. Um, she was a... Uh, what we would might call a stripper today. She was like in a theater. She was an actress, which back in the day was a stripper, basically. Um, and according to Procopius, was almost essentially like a, a slut, basically a prostitute, kind of. And she became an empress. And according to Procopius, it was basically the devil. <laughs> so these women that have innately given power because they're really beautiful. Also, some of them are able to kind of undercut and like what Poppy's trying to do is kind of she doesn't want to have that power of being so likable just for being beautiful I think is part of her motivation is she Uh wants to be unlikable and left alone (laughs) we and we come to that motivation towards the end of the book but there's this sense that like her innate power she is rejecting Mm -hmm. in order I I don't know if we get that till the end but I feel like she's rejecting the innate power she's given by being like this beautiful woman i don't know i guess i have a slightly different interpretation of it where i'm like so she really like her parents think of her as like an angel she talks about her parents getting her dolls for like every birthday and she's just like they're like everything just everything like yeah like, and just like you know all this like very stereotypically feminine things right. and she's like i'm not that person right um like i'm not that feminine like she wants to be seen past the fact that she's like really blonde and pretty right she doesn't want people to perceive her as uh fragile and super feminine um and she's really more connected to these sort of like we find out later like these very like physical tasks Mm -hmm. to these very like independent like living on her own like so i think yeah and so it's like she rejects the power that she's given by being so innately feminine and and chooses to embrace something else instead like rejects that innate Mm -hmm. power because when she's and then she like picks up she like gains a different kind of power from that but the innate like feminine power that like the queen bee of these these Uh novels possesses over anything she is rejecting i don't know if that's not till the end not till the end i don't think that's what her meaning for a while she just decides to leverage it right so yeah she uses that as a controlling thing but i think she's I think she's a really interesting character. Like, obviously, she would not be the one I would want to hang out with. Honestly, I wouldn't want to hang out with anyone in this freaking book, but, um... I think she's a lot more interesting now that Michelle and I have talked about it for 20 minutes. And the book, I didn't... I, I was just like, time. what a bitch. Like, I don't care. The, I, like, I don't care, like, how, like, what happened, like, your your sad childhood because your parents thought you were pretty. Like, okay, I like, think, sorry. I don't think she tries to upplay that too much, like... It's not like she's trying to buy that's true. I like, points for Like, that. yeah, I get it. Like, she's, I think, I think that's the thing. Like, I think we're supposed to think of it as, like, oh, she's, like, really horrible, but, like, kind of not, she's kind of redeemable in the fact that, like, she's aware of it. I think that's what we're supposed to get. To me, that never plays. I'm just, like, yeah, I understand that you think that you're, like, a horrible person and that you see how mean you're being, mm-hmm. but the fact that you, like, really don't care, like, that, like, that's it's worse. not enough for me to right. be, like, oh, okay, like. 
I feel like that's I feel like that's worse, like on the moral scale, like the fact yeah, that you're fact aware of this. You know, and, and you're you like, know yeah, better. Okay. You know better. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. And you also are doing it not because you like feel a need, like because she doesn't say that she's like being mean to like fill a need. There's never like a sense that this meanness is like filling a need for like or like a fear. She's like scared of something. Mm-hmm. She does it because she wants to. Because she can. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes with the, that queen bee narrative, sometimes we're given that they're doing the mean thing because they're, like, scared. Yeah. Or because they, like, are trying to fill a need for, like, love or something. Right. But that is not what's happening with Poppy. No. Poppy is mean because she can and she wants to. Yeah. It's almost automatic. It's just, like... Yeah. Why, like, why not sabotage everything if I could? Yeah. And I think that's why she's the most interesting character. Yeah. And that's okay. why I enjoyed her the most, not because necessarily she's the most, like, likable. Okay. Because she's definitely not the most likable. No. I don't know who is. Probably one of Wink's siblings, because some of them have seen <laughs> Probably a secondary character who's <laughs> not involved. A tertiary character, honestly. <laughs> um, so should we get on the plot now? <laughs> Whoops. Okay. Well, that was a great discussion of stuff that we didn't need of to get into. Power. Um, yeah, and a yeah. new archetype, the Queen Bee. Yeah, that's what we meant to. That's what I meant to talk about when I talked about my my seminar, medieval queenship. One of the things that my professor said was like, we, we I mean, you know, we're studying all these like Byzantine like historical records and trying to figure out, you know, like what's actually going on. You know, it's very hard to tell like two thousand years back, depending on like who's biased and who's writing. Like, right, right. what the hell was actually happening? Like, what who was this person actually? We don't have any first person accounts. Um, one of the things my professor was like, you know, if everybody hates you, that probably means you're really good at your job. Like, those people everybody liked probably sucked at their job. And I've taken that as, like, my mantra. Like, if everybody hates me, yeah, you know why? That's really good. At my, that's because I'm really good at my job. That's because I, like, I make you do your work and, like, make it on happen job. on time. And That's probably true. Um, but, like, yeah, like, the person everyone hates is, like, like, I think of, like, the job I just finished this summer, like, training different discounters. Like, did they like what we were doing all the time? No. They didn't like having to sit in the classroom and listen to me. They didn't like having to do the things that I thought were really important. And it's, like, that's fine. Like, you could not like it. Like, I know for a fact that this is stuff that's really important has to happen. And, like, I understand that, like, it's not fun. Like, I get it. I know that you don't like me for doing this, but, like, I also know that this is what needs to happen. And so me sort of, like, scrapping what are actual, like, important things to, like, make everyone feel good and, like, make everyone happy mm-hmm. would be being really bad at my job. Right. So. It's like when you're parenting and you're, like, you yeah. don't want to be. <laughs> this would be a great movie to talk about, like, in connection with Mean Girls because it was because Mean Girls. But you don't want to be, like, the cool mom. Like, that means you're not being, doing a good job being a mother. Right, the person who's like, you know, I don't really want my kids to do access to but if they do it, at least they do it at home. Like, what? Right. No. <laughs> when, you vali- when you value, I think the problem comes when you value being liked more than you value. Exactly. Yeah. It's not that you can't be liked while you do your job. It's that, like, yeah. when you value that above doing your job, it becomes problematic. No, that's totally it. Like, because that's something that, like, counselors and teachers, all of them are, like, and me as well, like, the first, like, before you start, you're really afraid, you're like, what if they don't like me, what if the kids don't like me, and, like, I remember, like, my, the, my, one of my supervisors for student teacher was, like, it's not important that the kids like you, she's, like, she's, like, <laughs> she's just, like, straight out, like, it's, that's not, the goal is not that the kids like you, right. and that's what I told my friends counselors, who were, like, I don't know if the kids are gonna like me, and I'm just, like, 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 yeah, it's important that we build good relationships, you know, that right. we're a strong team together, for sure, but, like, when it comes down to, like, doing your job and, like, being liked, like, being liked is, like, 
like way down the list of like right. things we think are important. Also, speaking of children, children, I don't know if this is true, but something that I've taken to heart for when I futurely parent is that boundaries are how you show children you love them sometimes. You have to set rules because yeah. like that's how you like are like, this is important. Yeah. <laughs> so we're gonna do it and it's more important that you are like safe, happy, and healthy as a human in the long run. Right. Than I, you like me in the moment. Like you are more important than my feelings. Exactly. No, I totally believe that. Like kids, like that's what like you know, counselor teachers, all these people are like. People who work with kids are really af- parents are really afraid of. It's like the kids won't like you if we don't do X, Y, Z. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe. Like kids are like, and that's one of the things when I was writing apprentice counselor evaluations, because one of the things I have to write is like, what were your natural areas of strength? And what I found was, like, as I, I didn't think about it before I started writing, but once I started writing, I was like, if all I can say about you is that the kids liked you, that's actually the weakest thing I can mm-hmm. say about you. Like, sometimes it's really good. Sometimes it really does mean that you had a very good rapport. Like, right, a, like a really, like, like a, a <laughs> an actual rapport. Not just that the kids liked you, but, like, you that built you really strong relationships and made good connections and were, like, the responsible adult role model that really connected right. with kids. But if all I can say about you is that the kids like you, it's actually a very weak, that's the weakest thing I can say about you. Right. That's what I'm grasping at straws at this point. I'm like, right. <laughs> I was like, ooh, <laughs> like, you didn't look like a responsible adult, but the kids were like, you know, the kids are going to like you if you give them ice cream for every meal, but that's not a good choice. Right. <laughs> like, that doesn't make you the good adult. <laughs> right. So the kids are going to like you if you do a lot of stuff that's really harmful to them in the long run. You know, kids, like, you know, if they want to put their mouth on the tailpipe of a car, this is an example that I once heard from an adult, like, that's something you should say no to. <laughs> like, you know, that's that's not good in the long run. I don't know how I got this topic. Anyway, more, more <laughs> parenting <laughs> advice. <laughs> Another subsection of our podcast where we talk about Taylor Swift and then parenting advice. <laughs> So we're going to get back to the plot. We're going to introduce our next character. So so far we've introduced one character. <laughs> no, two. Have we introduced Midnight? We're on Wink. We're on Wink. Introduced right. Midnight? We did. We're we'll talking past. about his brother. His brother's name is Alabama. <laughs> That's all. Don't worry. <laughs> he lives in France, so you don't really see him that often. NBD. Okay. So this whole book opens, again, back to the beginning. Back to the beginning mm-hmm. of the book. This whole book opens, Midnight sleeps with Poppy. Poppy doesn't give a shit about Midnight. Um, Midnight's in love with Poppy. Poppy, whatever. Midnight moves in next door away from Poppy, but now he's living next door to Wink. Uh, he's living about two miles away from Poppy, so, like, he didn't, like, switch towns, but, like... Right, right, right. But they're not next door anymore. They're not on the same street. Yeah. Poppy comes over to his house all the time and then whines about how far she had to walk. It's, like, her number one hobby. It's kind of great that all the kids in this book are walking. Like, no one's like, I got in my car. <laughs> Everyone, everyone's yeah, walking. Yeah, I think that's part of the fairytale-esque element. I think so, is there's, yeah. like, kind of a suspension of technology. Like, they don't drive cars. They don't go on computers. No one's ever on a cell phone. Yeah. There's a certain level of timelessness where it's, like, pretty clearly placed in the modern time. But there's no way for us to really clearly point out something. There's no kind yeah. of something that would really... No one ever watches TV. No one's ever on the internet. No one's ever on a cell phone. I didn't even think about that until mm-hmm. now. There's a certain level of timelessness that goes along with this, like, fairy tale esque yeah. setting. That's very true. Yeah. They're walking everywhere, like... I mean, they don't, like, have horse-drawn... Like, clearly it's not set in some other time where there's, like, horse-drawn carriages or anything. Yeah. Like, I mean, they, clear- they mention airplanes. Right. <laughs> but they don't, like, use technology in their day-to-day activities at all. And it's not at all... If they do, it's not at all commented on. Right. 
Yeah. We don't know about the secret lives of these characters outside of the, <laughs> the words that April has given us. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that's interesting. Um, the beginning of the book, Midnight moves in next door to Wink. And Midnight is ready to, like, get the hell over Poppy. Because, again, Poppy's a cruel bitch. Sorry. Yeah, Poppy is literally Sorry. just using Midnight, and she makes no qualms about it. Like, she's not oh, like, yeah. I love you, Midnight. She's like, Midnight, like, Bye. has I, sex with like, her. Like, they both <laughs> lose their virginity at the same to each other. Yeah. The same time, and Midnight like cries because it's like emotional Poppy for him, and he's in love with it. And Poppy's like laughing. Poppy's like, "You're such an idiot." <laughs> yeah. Again, we're not given a lot of reasons to feel bad for Poppy. No, not at all. Um, Poppy doesn't want our sympathy. No. She would laugh. I at appreciate us. that. <laughs> I um, think <laughs> I don't. Good. I don't want to give you my sympathy, Poppy. Yeah. Um. So Midnight moves next door to Wink, pretty much, and Wink is sort of like the polar opposite. You know, she's one of the Bell children, so she lives out with a single mother who is, like, this is sort of, like, the magical fairy tale aspect. Her mother reads tarot cards and tea leaves and all this stuff. Uh, that's, like, basically her business. How do they support each other, have to support the family? I'm Tarot cards, I, I guess. Like they have a farm-ish kind of thing. They have goats and whatever. Okay. There's, like, 17 children, though. I think there's actually seven. Five-ish, seven. There's a lot of kids. There's a lot of Bell kids. I think kids. she has five siblings plus Leaf. And then herself, and so herself That doesn't make sense, yeah. I think you're right. Um, Wink. Wink Bell. And the Bell kids... Michelle's letting you guys know, mint juleps <laughs> taste better after the red wine. I, yeah. The first time I had a mint julep, I was like, this is, this is alcohol. But not, now I'm just like... Sugar. This is basically just like... Sugar water. I'm just knocking this back. I don't feel anything. I in terms of like an alcohol... Rosy. I mean, I'm feeling great in the terms that, like, yeah, like, I've had some stuff to drink, and I'm so we're great. Fine. We're not, like, we're not driving cars for... Again, yeah, I'm staying here, because I'm three staying hours. here. Yep. We're gonna sleep. We're gonna sleep it off. And then in the morning, we're gonna drive cars again. Yeah, totally. Unless yeah. we're, not 12 hours later, 10.30. Whatever. whatever the point, whatever. Who cares? Anyway, <laughs> let's get back to the plot. So now I've introduced all three characters. We've sort of introduced Wink. We'll talk a little bit more about Wink. As we go on. Yeah, she's not as interesting as Poppy, TBH. <laughs> she, she's just one of, she's, yeah. She's one of seven children. She's very unpopular, and all these, all the Bell kids are sort of unpopular at school, mm-hmm. basically, but they don't care at all. The Bell be, kids don't give a shit. <laughs> they seem to be a lot poorer than the other kids. Um, like we said, they live in a ski town, and I, that was the impression I got, that yep. they were kind of like the, the poppers of the town, um, that they kind of live on this like weird rundown farm. Mm-hmm. Um, there's seven of them. They just have like a totally different value system, right? They, have you know, single, they're very hippie, very new age. They have really weird names. Also, there's a point at which they make fun of the Bell Kids' names, and I'm like, okay, okay, people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones, okay, guys. <laughs> All right, yeah, let's take a side note. Let's look at these names. Wink, Poppy, and Midnight are our narrators. Some yeah. other names in the book include Buttercup, Alabama, Alabama, Leaf. Lee, Moon, Hops, B. Lee, Thomas. Zoe and Thomas. Mim. Mim, which I guess is their way of saying mom. I mean, I don't think it's her name. I think it's just what they call her. I mean, we called my mom. We called my mom mum for a while because Crystal's really obsessed with British people. So she started calling her mom mum, and then we started calling her mumsy, which is fake, but whatever. But. Yeah. We just call her mom because we're adults. 
the names of this book are just like ridiculous and the like to which is bizarre because okay so midnight's older brother is alabama okay and when it comes up it comes up on like oh that's a good song (laughs) i do love my ma and pa every time i read his name in the book i start singing that really yeah i didn't connect these things so it comes up on like page 15 that Midnight's older brother is Alabama, and when he goes into that, Midnight says, I had an older brother, a half-brother, I'm quoting, if you couldn't tell, his name was Alabama, parenthesis, to be explained later, parenthesis. Okay, at this point we've been introduced to weak, pompy Midnight Leaf, like, Alabama is what's suddenly supposed to throw the wrench in the machine, like, are you kidding? Alabama at this point is normal. I'm gonna let, I'm gonna give Alabama yeah, no, a pass. Yeah, no, it was weird Thomas, I was like, who, well, who the heck is Thomas? <laughs> I just like wait, but when are you gonna explain any of these names? Like Alabama, we're supposed to think that Wink, Poppy, and Midnight are like Poppy is a real name. Okay, fine. Wink and it's Midnight. It's a little strange. I mean, Poppy's not a name you hear every day, but it's also a name I've heard before. Right. And Wink is pointed out as just a strange name. All the Bell kids have strange names, and they actually don't call her Wink. They call her Feral. <laughs> they call her Feral Bell. Um, to be mean rude. to her. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then Midnight's name is explained. I don't remember why he was born at midnight, but not according to his dad, only according to his mom. So, okay. I think it says on, like, your birth certificate, so, like, just go check that ish. <laughs> so, I'm just like, Alabama is not the weird name in this book, FYI. Why did I get under the... Why did I start talking about this? Because you're introducing the characters. Why am I still introducing characters? What Lord the hell knows. am I talking about? Anyway, let's get on to the plot. Whatever. Midnight falls in love with Wink. Cool. Whatever. Because like, Wink. Really quickly. The Bell kids and Wink, they just don't care at all. Like, they've been tormented at school all the time. They they literally don't care. Like, they don't cry. They don't get embarrassed. Like, they just don't care. <laughs> it's just part of their life. They don't There's care. There's seven of them, so, like, they've they been run around, around the... on the farm. They read a bunch of fairy tales. They Their mother tales. reads tarot cards and tea leaves. They play f- Follow the Screams in the Woods. Like, these are, like, cray kids. Also, that sounds like a horrifying game that I do not want to play. It sounds super fun until you're like, wait, I don't want to be out in the woods at night. <laughs> um, I don't want to play that either because then also, like, when do you know if the screams are, like, real scary screams or, like... Oh, that's true. People who are really convincing at follow the screams, you're like, shit, is someone getting murdered? Uh, yeah, no, thank you. Exactly. Well, like, the woods at night, like, are not where I want to play, like... Ever. To begin with, but... Exactly. I'm sure, I think we already told you the story of Paige and I hanging out outside at night. That's <laughs> yeah. a camping story. Yeah, we we camped, tell. but we camped in our tent. We, like, were in our tent. Well, the entire time it was dark almost. Yeah. It was fine. There's a weird man next door, which we told you about, Catman. Yeah, if you listen to the Crown's game, yeah. Um, he was a little bit creepy, and I was a little bit worried he was going to murder us, but then the, like, um, camp manager man came and talked to him, so we were like, well, he's seen his, like, car and his license plate and also knows what the man looks like so he no, murders us. I didn't us. care about that. that make any difference. Like the second night we were trying it started like sort of like raining while we were trying to light. We were actually oh, trying to light a like, stove not a fire. Too, the camp manager has seen him so if he murders us like. Now they know who to track down. Yeah. <laughs> um, no but he like came over he like thought we were struggling which okay it did look like we, we were struggling. We freaking were okay guys. <laughs> okay fine we were struggling. He like came over and he's like oh do you need help? Because he thought we were starting to light a fire, and actually, like, I just lit the stove when he came over last night. I was like, actually, I just, lit just the got stove. it. The I DIY don't think he believed me, because probably that seems like the me. kind of thing that I would have just, like, lied about to be like, oh, Yeah, fine. we would have said that even if she hadn't started the stove, so. But I actually, I legit just had started the stove. Mm-hmm. Bam. 
An alcohol soap I made out of beer cans. Yeah, okay. I'm super freaking crafty. All right. Anyway, what the hell were we talking about? Yeah. We're just giving a plot summary. We're almost to <laughs> any plot points. Dear God. Okay. This is going to be the four-hour podcast. Um, Wink at midnight. Fall in love. Whatever. Poppy gets a little jealous. Poppy doesn't give a shit about midnight, but now that midnight's in charge someone else, she's like, what the hell, mm-hmm. man? You were mine. Yeah, exactly. Like, I just wanted to control you, and now you're in love with someone else. And, like, remember, I'm really blonde and pretty, and, like, you liked me best. And, like, yeah, I'm better than her. So she gets pissed. And this is how – there's 120 pages, basically, of nothing happening but Wink and Midnight. Okay, so Paige and I hung out last night, and we both were about 100 pages in, and we were both convinced there was not going to be a plot in this book. Yeah. So it turns out there is a plot, but the first 100 pages there is A small plot. There's literally no plot. We thought we were going to do this really fast, but then we started talking about um, the Byzantine Empire and our camping trip. So, whoops. Whatever, you need to fill in. Okay. Yep. All right. So then Poppy is like, screw this. I'm going to get back at both of them. And so her plan is that she's like, Midnight, you need to go. There's this house in the woods that's been abandoned. And she's like, you need to go tie Wink to the piano and leave her there all night. Which I... Did you not talk about this before the podcast? We wouldn't survive being left in the woods at night alone. We would just die from fear. From just like, yeah, just, yeah. Sometimes I get, okay, so I still live at home because I'm part of the one third of millennials that still live at home. Okay, guys? Me does. <laughs> um, sometimes I get really scared at night alone in, when I'm in my bedroom. Mm-hmm. So I'm alone in my bedroom because I have my own room. But like, <laughs> Thank God. Thank God. But both of my parents live here and up until yesterday, my sister also lived here and I would get like petrified at night sometimes and I'm just like sitting in my room in suburban Colorado just like terrified for my life with like my family around me so like me in the woods like yeah I'm just gonna die there's this point I meant to tell the story to Nichelle before the podcast but we got sidetracked there's this point in like New Moon Twilight Mm -hmm. the movie that we Nichelle told everyone that we went and saw for my birthday which is not (laughs) true at all but we did go and see and it happened to overlap with my birthday, true, but that's not why. Um, we Like, that new moon is where Bella just, like, she wanders out into the woods after Edward or whatever. Edward's such a dumb... Bella, such a dumb name. Like, it's such a dumb name. Oh, my God, I'm so Good God. She wanders out into the woods and just, like, freaking loses it. Like, starts crying. It's like... And then she's out in the woods for, like... Like, she just stays there, and people have to go, like, search for her, right? She's out in the woods for hours in the dark. Or if I'm in Andre, she falls asleep in the park. I would be okay Overnight. in the city park. I would not. I'd be scared if I woke up in the middle of the night and I was in the park and I was like, holy shit, what's going on? In the woods, though, Bella just wanders out through the woods and then just, like, collapses by a tree and cries. And people yeah. have to, like, come find. I would wow, that's freaking so die. Do you know that was my favorite of the four books? What? New Moon is the worst. New Moon is the worst. There's nothing in it. I'm sorry. 16-year-old Michelle loved that book. Hey! Merlin, you don't have an opinion. You haven't read the books. Merlin's Michelle's dog. He's growling. Merlin's being the worst dog. I'm going to murder this dog. leave us alone. Ella just came in from outside. Ella's my nice dog. Merlin is the love of my life. Right now he's acting like an a-hole, so... (laughs) (laughs) Alright. Back to the book! Okay! (laughs) All right. <laughs> Shit, I don't know how we're going to cut so this out. So, anyway, there's some pranks before that, but we don't have time to get to those. So. Screw it. 
So anyway. Okay. Poppy's like, tired of the pinion or just leave her there all night. And Midnight's like, oh, bad idea. But Poppy's like, you know what? If you don't do this, you know I'm going to do something worse. And he's like, oh, shit, that's right. She's like, I'm going to burn down the forest to blame your freaking girlfriend, so. Whoops. <laughs> Who do yeah. you think they're going to believe? Angel face me or weird Crazy girl her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so Midnight's like, okay, but he tells Wink about it. And so they form an alternate plan where, in fact, they're going to tie Poppy to the piano all night. So they do. So they do. They tie Poppy to the but piano all night. they're only going to leave her for an hour. They're only going to leave her for an and hour. But Wink is, Wink is kind of like, eh, Wink is like trying no, to calm Midnight down. Get, you know? These when, so Poppy, so they tie her to the piano. There's this whole With her arms above her head. Yeah. Crucial point. Um, tie her to the piano, arms above her head. Poppy's actually legit scared of the abandoned house in the woods. Which, yeah, yeah no shit. Everyone's scared of that Plus, house. Wink tells her a scary story before they leave. Right. Murder, people have been murdered in this house. Which is not actually, but that's what they say. Right. And so, and Poppy is screaming. And they say they can hear from about a mile and a half away. Not a mile and a half, half a mile away. Which, holy shit. Which, like, I believe also. A mile and a half away. Half a mile. Half a mile away. Half a mile away. Half a mile away. Oh, okay. Half a mile, that's fine. That makes sense. Oh my gosh. And she's just screaming. And so we get a chapter from her perspective when she is in this house and she talks about how she just keeps screaming because it keeps the darkness away. But then she starts to hear whispers and then she all she hears is silence. And you're just like, I would die. I would literally just die. Yeah, I, like, when I was a camp counselor at Space Camp, we had the mu- we were part of a museum and a camp. We had Space Camp and the museum. Whatever. The museum was in the basement, which meant the basement was legit dark. Like, after, like, there's no natural light in the basement, obviously, and once you turn off the lights, like, it's completely dark. To the point where, like, I walked into exhibit walls, not, like, stumbled over shit, I hit it with my face. That's how dark it is. You can't see anything. Um, and it's sort of like Church of the Counselors to play sardines at least one night in the summer down there in the dark. Um, and you're supposed to go by yourself, because that's how sardines work. And I'm like, I will absolutely not be by myself. Like, I will go with the group, and I don't give a shit, like, what the rules are. Like, I will be with two or three other people, because I'm not going by myself. Um, but someone has to shut down the museum at night. Someone has to go down there and turn off, because there's different lights for different sections, and turn off all the lights as they walk around. Um, there's also the rumor that the museum is haunted, because we have the Liberty Bell 7, in the museum, which is one of the Mercury capsules that we actually dredge up from the ocean and, like, in tandem with Discovery Channel. And the Liberty Bell 7 is where, um, what's his name? I'm too drunk to remember. What's his name almost died when the hatch, like, malfunctioned and almost sunk with him in it. And so, like, is it Gus Grissom? I think it's Gus Grissom. Like, he almost died in it. And so there's, like, the myth that, like, it's haunted because, like, he almost died in that thing. So, like, okay, hauntings don't work unless you actually die. That's true. That's true, but it is scary down there, because there's also, like, there's... Yeah, I don't need some, any... Like, I get scared downstairs when Like, astronaut like, suits, like, up towards the ceiling, with, like, a person, like, crawling out of, like, an airlock, like, at the ceiling. It's real creepy if you turn around in the dark and see I'm it. I'm scared of freaking everything, I believe you. Yeah, exactly. And people are like, oh, like, like someone has to go down there and turn off the lights, and I'm just like, if I was down there in the dark by myself, I would, like, lose my shit. Like, I would have to be institutionalized. Like, I don't think you people understand. Like, I'm not just going to be, like, scared. I'm not going to run away. I'm going to I'm gonna lose it. Like, I'm going to break down. Like, I'm not going to be able to handle it. Um, like, some of my co-counselors once joked about, because I, I was sharing an apartment with two other counselors, um, but they were both on camp, so I was the only one in the apartment that night. And 
I was, like, walking with two male counselors who were going to a different apartment, and they were like, oh, yeah, I was talking, I don't know how this happened, talking about the horror movie I saw, The Strangers, I didn't actually see it, I actually sat far away from the group watching it, but I was in the same house. <laughs> how did um, I haven't lived this experience, but I've heard Paige tell a story enough times that at one point I did take this on as my own story. Yeah. That's so what we did. pretty much already happened to me. Exactly. And part of that movie is, like, knocking. is like, a big freaking deal. I can't even talk sorry, about movie. Shit, sorry. The freaking trailer, like... Why did you watch the freaking trailer? No, like, it was when it was on TV. Like, oh, really? Like, the movie came oh, out. Oh, shit, man. It scared me. Because masks... Masks are, like... No. It's the effing worst. Let's just put it that way. And my, and my co-counselors were like, oh, ha-ha, we're going to do that to you tonight. And I was like, no, like, you don't understand. Like, I'm not going to be scared. I like, I'm going to freaking lose it. Like, I will... You'll have to, like... You like have to call nine one one. You're gonna. I will be institutionalized. Like you don't understand, guys. Anyway, what the like, hell were we talking about? Uh, oh, the, oh house. the house. Yeah. Pop like so scary, and Poppy talks about like screaming keeps the darkness away, which is something that I feel like I could like totally understand. Mm-hmm. Where just like if I stop screaming, then it's gonna be like quiet and dark. So at least with the screaming, like the noise helps. Like a scary maze, I'm just talking. About we're gonna it. sleep in the same room now. <laughs> Before we're gonna sleep in different rooms, but <laughs> never mind. <laughs> anyway, that was a joke. <laughs> we are like big giant babies, so this was like horrifying to us. Um, but anyway, cool. Stop looking in that direction. What is fucking wrong with you? I was looking over there. Ella doesn't know what to do. Honestly, I was checking to make sure our cat wasn't trying to escape. Sometimes when Crystal leaves, my sister, our cat gets, like, really upset because Crystal's her favorite and tries to just leave through the dog door. (laughs) I'll go with her. (laughs) Um, So I was just keeping an eye out to make sure our cat wasn't trying to make a break for it. Um, Anyway, so they fall asleep in the... Hayloft. Hayloft. And they wake up, and it's almost dawn. Like, it's still nighttime, but, like... Which I was totally... I totally felt like Wink was, like... Because Midnight was like, we have to go let her out after an hour. We have to. Because Midnight yeah. feels really bad about tying her out. Not so bad that he doesn't do it, but so bad that he's like, we have to go let her out after, after an hour. And Wink's like, yeah, yeah, we will. But Wink is like, Wink is like Honestly, very calming like during this. Wink like puts him to sleep, essentially. Right. Wink starts reading him stories. And then she's like, oh, I fell asleep too. And you're like, BS. Okay. That's complete baloney. So it's like almost dawn when they go get her. And her hands have been tied above her head. And she's like... She's, like, basically unconscious when they go get her. She, like, is passed out. Yeah. And, like, she's, like... There's a moment in which I thought she was dead. I thought she was, too. Because they, like, talk about how, like, cold her arms are. So her arms have been above her head all night and tied. Yeah. And so she's lost all the blood out of her arms. And also she's been, like, screaming this entire night. And so she is passed out. Yeah. Essentially. And for a moment, I think they wink and... Um, Midnight. Midnight. I forgot his name. How did you forget that name? Um, <laughs> are, like, a little bit concerned that she's dead. But she's not dead. Um, she kind of comes to once they untie her and, and Midnight is holding her. And then she starts screaming bloody murder because all the blood is rushing back into her arms. Yeah, Midnight has to, like, rub her arms, like, phys- like again and again to, like, try and help get the blood circulation flowing again. Which is just, like, this is, like, horrifying. Like, Poppy couldn't be no armed Poppy. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been crazy. It's bad. It's bad. And Winko, I think it's her mom. And her mom's kind of like, um... Wink gets Min, not Poppy's mom. Wink gets her mom, yeah. And, sorry, Wink's mom. And Wink's mom is like, um, 
how did this happen? And Wink's like, I don't and know, I like, found her. What? <laughs> At like four in the morning. And Wink's mom totally knows and is like, no, Wink's mom is not an effing moron. <laughs> Though she doesn't really do anything about it. Anyway, that's how this all gets set up. And yeah, if I suspected my kid of tying another kid up in an empty house, I would throw them out the window with their computer. <laughs> you and your computer <laughs> are done. <laughs> my gosh, I can't even imagine if my kid that did that to another kid. And I, like, knew it was them. I was the, one that, the only one that knew, and I caught them. Yeah. Like. I'd be like, okay, I guess Goodbye, you could, wilderness guess you camp. Just, wilderness camp is coming. I guess you get to go spend the night in that house. <laughs> and then that's when I play the stranger with my other kids. Because I'm not going out there playing the stranger by myself, because that's a good way to get axe murdered. Um, and then we knock on the doors. <laughs> I think that's a really bad idea. That's horrifying and horrible. I wouldn't actually do that to my child. No, I wouldn't either. Also, because I'd be too freaking scared. <laughs> some Phineas and Ferb after this, like, to desensitize some cartoons. We're gonna watch us. Buffy. Buffy is not gonna help us decompress. Anyway. We'll figure it out. So this whole drama happens. Poppy runs off into the forest before they can get Mim to the house. Yeah. Anyway, how this all happens is suddenly Poppy goes missing. Because she runs off. She runs off. and But Her she doesn't parents? come up again. Her parents are at our doctor's convention. So but, like, seemingly a while. Yeah. Like, two weeks. Yeah, it's been a long time since the parents <laughs> got back. Poppy's Before her parents noticed, I swear it's been like two weeks. It's been a, yeah, it's been at least a week. It feels like in the book. Poppy leaves. She's totally missing. To the point where her yellows, which is her, the gang she's formed, Michelle quoted it a little bit later, but that's Thomas Briggs, Buttercup, and Zoe, are like the four people that she just has under her thrall, essentially. Thomas and Briggs are like both in love with her, and she just plays them off of each other, because again, that's what she does, whatever. She gets bored. Yeah, that's basically, it's just a game to her. Um, Or like, to the point where they all know she's missing, Midnight knows, and they're all freaking out, because they're like, and Midnight is like, Midnight really feels the guilt here. He's like, shit, like, we broke her. You know, like, something, like, it, like, psychologically, like, traumatized her being in that house. Yeah. Not only, like, the physical effects of, like, having her hands tied above her head for eight hours or whatever. Right. But, like, like we did something, broken. like, really bad. Yeah. They, and she's lost it. Right. There's that one point, I think Wink, actually, um, I don't know if she tells the story to Midnight or just kind of talks about it in her narration, where she has compared Poppy to a wolf over and over again. Wink has, she, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Wink has compared Poppy to a wolf. So, at one point, she tells the story of a wolf who was, like, separated from its pack for so long. And, like, isolated and, like, mm-hmm. bad things happen to it that it loses its ability to howl. And it's, like, this very, like, eerie comparison to Poppy. Yeah. And almost, like, she like, of, we took the howl out of Poppy. Yeah. And it's, like, I feel like that was one of the moments where we were just, like, what the hell did these kids do to Poppy? Like, I mean, that, like, physically that was, like, a horrible thing. Uh-huh. But I think for me that, like, wolf howl metaphor really, like, du- like struck home. Like, Poppy is messed up in the head now. Yeah. Like, they've ruined Poppy. Yeah. Yeah, and she's missing for days, and they d- can't find her, and they don't know what to do, and so they sort of, like, band together, and they try, like, they're all sort of, like, and they all sort of, like, feel guilt about it. And, and there's specific Weirdly. ways. And there's special ways, like, and Poppy mentioned that she's like, you know, Thomas thought I ran away because I was sad, but that's because Thomas was sad. And, you know, Midnight thinks that it, or, like, Buttercup thinks that cause I felt guilty, but that's because Buttercup feels guilty for yeah. what she did. She kind of, Poppy has a lot of self aware, not self awareness, well, she has that too, but she's very aware of other people's motives. Right. 
so and so she's gone and so that's what this is really the plot okay of them trying to like figure out what the hell happened yeah. to poppy where she went to some and then they wind up starting to find notes from poppy mm-hmm. where poppy like is kind of giving them hints and they all the notes say like talk to midnight yeah um and also midnight has started to smell so poppy smells like jasmine in tip typical YA novel fashion the the love interests have a very distinctive scent. Right. And so... Uh, Poppy says Jasmine. <laughs> yeah. And so Midnight starts to smell Jasmine in his room when he wakes up every morning. And some of um, Wink's siblings see a girl in a black dress and, like, golden hair in the yeah. forest. Mm-hmm. And so they're, like... There's sightings. There's sightings. There's notes. So Thomas gets a note. Briggs gets a note. One of uh, Wink's siblings says that she saw her jump into the river. And this river is not a river you swim in. It is, like, a very fast-moving, like, rapids. Yeah, you're, like, you're um, done if you jump in. And so they're, like, yeah, we saw her jump into the river. And so the, they think that Poppy's died. They think that Poppy jumped into the river and killed herself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they decide to have a seance. Like, all of the yellows and... Wink and Midnight. Because now they've band, even though they technically hated each other before, like, they banded together to try and find Poppy. Mm-hmm. They're all, like, like, shit. Like, Wink and Midnight. Well, see, Wink is sort of the wild card here. Wink is the one who, like, she never seems sorry for what happens. She's kind of like, no. She never, like, Midnight is, like, torn up about this. Right. The yellows are, like, you know, are remembering, like, the things they said to her before. Like, everyone's right. torn up, except for Wink. Right. Wink's well, clearly the one who's, like, no. Well, as we, we come to find out, Wink is a mastermind, but behind all this, but we also, like, the whole time Wink has been setting up this narrative in which Midnight is the hero and Poppy is the villain, and so in order for Midnight to, like, fulfill his hero potential, he has to get rid of the villain, and so she's, she's like, we can't be mad that we did what we set out to do, we, like, got rid of the yeah. villain, and then, and, and at this point, Midnight is like, but the thing is, like, she, Poppy wasn't a, just a villain, she was, like, a person. Yeah. And, um, so then we start to get this, like, and at some points it's, like, laid on pretty thick, but they start to talk a little bit about, like, what does it mean to be a hero? What does it mean to be a villain? Can you ever be, like, 100% hero or 100% villain? Um, and towards the end, Midnight, like, monologues about this, but... <laughs> becomes yeah. very clear. I don't think we talked about that very much, that, like, Wink has, like, laid on thick this like fairy tale motif and it out loud is like telling yeah. midnight this is what's happening mm-hmm. and she like reads him stories she's out like, loud you're and the like, hero yep she's the villain this is what the hero does this is the hero's journey she's told him these different fairy tales and she's like you're the hero you have the sword like this is what the hero does like right. yeah the hero questions his role but he ultimately like he, he overcomes and like yeah mm-hmm. and there becomes very little choice for midnight not that he doesn't have any agency like he Midnight. does, and I still blame him. Yeah, right. like, absolutely. Right, Midnight's still to blame, but Wink makes this very, like, intricate narrative that she explains over and over again to Midnight that he, like, really doesn't have a choice because as the hero, you have to defeat the villain. Like, there's mm-hmm. not options. That's what a hero yeah. does. Exactly. Um, so that, I don't think we mentioned that, so I wanted to mention that real quick before we go into the seance. Exactly, yeah. So Wink, so they decide, like, okay, Poppy's dead. They have to figure out what's going on. So Wink decides to host a seance for them. Um, yeah. She hosts a seance, and what happens is, like... At that old house. At the old... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the worst place. Um, Wink, first she takes on the persona, supposedly, of these people who have, like, died in the house or whatever. She finds out later it was a lie. Whatever. That, like, the, that those people never existed. And then she she becomes Poppy. Like, she's still her. She looks like her, but she takes on all of Poppy's mannerisms, her manner of speech... Like, she her knowledge secrets, of all these yeah. people. Um, 
and it's real weird and she like goes around the circle like sort of revealing all these secrets to all these people like having this interaction like as poppy but in wink's body with all these people um and she gets to midnight and midnight just like freaks out i think he like kind of shoves her yeah and wink trips over a candle well midnight is like not totally buying it because he the secret is true but um wink as poppy mm. apologizes and midnight is like Poppy's uh-uh. never been sorry for anything. Poppy doesn't apologize for things. Yeah. And so I think part of it is he's not buying it anymore, so he uh. shoves Wink off of her him. But I think you could have read it as he was just, like, also distressed. But he does make that comment about apologizing. That's true. Yeah. I, yeah, I anyway. guess that's also true. So she turns over a candle, and the house goes up like a tinderbox. <laughs> Another fire. <laughs> we Guess what? No one Why is this heavy one. on fire books? Interesting. Hmm. We'll talk about that on a later podcast. We have to think about that. Yeah, we'll mull it over. Uh, I'm sure a fire will come up again. A very primal metaphor. Okay, Um, cool. And then the house burns down, basically. The house is burning down. Everybody gets out. Wink gets out. Except for Wink suddenly, hey, Midnight didn't get out. Guess who pulls Midnight out of the burning house? Poppy, who's actually freaking fine. She didn't jump into the river. She's just been, like, frolicking through the woods, like, eating tuna. Trout. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Okay. (laughs) Trout. We had tuna dip for dinner tonight. It was on sale at the grocery. It's on sale at Sprouts. We had tuna steaks. Made them, but I had to cook them way more than you should because my my mother and my brother like don't believe in things. They look slightly pink. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah, Poppy has. For, there was a minute, a a while in the middle of the book where I kind of was like, oh, like weird, like sh- like metaphysical stuff. It's happening between Wink and Poppy to the point where, like, Poppy and Wink, maybe, like, they're sharing this sort of, like, dual consciousness. Like, maybe Poppy is dead, but, like, her spirit's kind of living in Wink. Like, I thought there was this weird merge shit happening. It was weird. I, like, never, I was, never thought Poppy was dead. I was, like, clearly Poppy's just living in the forest. I thought, well, they made some reference to that, like, oh, oh, wait, so Poppy's dead, but, like, half of her's not? I was kind of, like, there's this, like, this weird, like. They, for a while, because then Wink. Like reads Poppy's tarot cards and they're like, yeah. I can't figure out where she is. It seems like she's in two places at once. Yeah, that's what I. Th- I was like, ooh, this is weird. And it, once Wink takes on Poppy's persona, it's like, ooh, is Wink Poppy like sort of like, kind of ish, the same ish person? Like they're kind of like sharing this like. Yeah. It was weird. That's not what's happening. I guess that's not what happened. No, guess what? Poppy's Poppy. alive. Poppy's hanging out in the woods. Poppy's girl guide like full. Like, out in the woods. Poppy freaking loves the forest. Poppy just Poppy's wants to camp. Poppy's been outward bound, like, seven times. <laughs> Poppy just wants to camp. That's all she's wanted her whole freaking life. Her parents didn't let her take her camping. Poppy's grandfather lived in the cabin in the woods and gutted trout, and they sat on the porch and sat in silence forever. And this is all the life that Poppy's wanted. Poppy's grandfather was the only person she loved. Then he died, and that's when she became a whole And then person. she tried to run her into his cabin for a while. Her parents found her, made her come back, and they burned the cabin down, and they were like, you cannot run back there. Um, that's that. But then she, now she's living in the mines. Um, so it turns out, and then, and then, so now Midnight and Wink are hanging out in the hayloft together, and Wink is talking to Midnight about what has gone on um, and during the seance, and he was like, she was like, did you like me better as Poppy? And he was like, um, what? Like, He's like, no. No. Like, this is strange. It's hella crazy. Um, and then we kind of find out that, guess what? Wink was not channeling Poppy during the seance. Like, she was just acting like her. Uh-huh. Um, and then it's kind of revealed to us that this whole thing has been, like, a ruse. Yeah, and then the truth comes out, finally, at the end. Tr- Wink's such telling the truth. And the fact is that Poppy has been in love, and we knew this from the beginning of the book, but... 
I didn't come up then because we were talking about a lot of other shit. Um, Poppy was in love with one of the other Bell siblings when a Wink's older brother, which is Leaf. Again, like we mentioned his name. Alabama is supposed to be the weird name here, but okay. Um, Leaf, Wink's older brother, Poppy's been in love with him, and Leaf sees through Poppy completely, and he's like, you're so ugly on the inside. Because everyone is so t- taken with the fact that Poppy is really beautiful on the outside. Um, I wrote my thesis on this. Side note. <laughs> Whatever. Um, and he doesn't fall for it. But it does seem like they had, like, sort of, like, a physical relationship. And the fact that Poppy kept, like, forcing herself on Leaf, essentially, like, like kept, like, trying to initiate this physical relationship. <laughs> yeah, there's that one point where she's like, the tenth time I kissed Leaf, exactly. he kissed me back. And I was like, are you kidding me? Girl. <laughs> What's wrong? Ten times? Slow down. Um, yeah. Yeah, so Poppy's been in love with Leaf. I think, I don't know, she's just like, Leaf is so different. Leaf is smarter than all these other people. Leaf sees through me. Right. Yeah. And I think she really values And them. he hates me. And she's like, awesome, I've never had anyone hate me before. Maybe. I mean, yeah, not for who I am, at least. I don't right. know. I guess not a lot of people, like, kind of hate her, but they still, like, give her the power. Yeah. There's no one that has kind of been, like, Leaf no. doesn't care. Right, she like, doesn't have it. the power in their relationship. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, interesting. I don't know, but, so he, she's been in love with Leaf. She wants Leaf back, because Leaf drives off to California. Leaf is a wanderer. He goes on a bus, actually. A reference to technology. <laughs> I don't remember this, but yeah. He does get, he gets on a bus to go to California. Okay, yeah, for sure. He's hanging out in the Redwoods. Yeah, he's doing stuff, he's. He's nannying for a family. No, he's not. (laughs) (laughs) He's protecting the environment. Whatever. And this whole thing has been set in motion for a bizarre, twisted, obscure reason, which never seemed... Totally clear. It was weird. Like, maybe I was clear on why, but I just never seemed... It doesn't seem like a strong enough motivation. Yeah, it doesn't... On, on... It seems like a very thin pretext. Poppy's end, it does. Like, she really wants Leaf back. She always gets what she wants. So, like, that makes sense to me. Sort of. Because what happens is Wink is like, if you do what I tell you to do, I'll call, I'll, like, send Leaf, I'll send Leaf a letter and he'll come back. Uh-huh. And so Poppy's like, okay. Yeah, so what happens is that Poppy has been, as we said, following Leaf around, like, in love with him. So she ends up at the Bell Farm a lot. She sees Wink. And so then she sort of, like, tries to, like, get Wink on her side. She tries to seduce Wink, essentially. Yeah. It's bizarre stuff. A lot of the stuff at the end is, like, not really explained. It's, like, pretty obscure what's going on. Like, like I get it, but, again, it just seemed like the pretext is very thin. Like, it seemed weird. It seemed, like, thrown as, I don't know. Nothing really seemed to lead to it. I was just like, okay, like, you said it was true, so I guess it's true, but I never really felt like, yeah, this was made sense in the story. The biggest Like, thing, you said it, so okay. The biggest thing is Wink's motivation. I don't really understand why she did it. So, we didn't mention this earlier, but um, Wink's bomb man um, at one point read Wink's tarot cards and wouldn't tell her what it said, but later Wink learns how to read tarot cards and reads her own. Um, and it says that she's going to die on early death. She's going to die when she's young. Well, it doesn't even say that. It says that she sees Wink's, like, death. It doesn't even say it's early. Yeah, it is. Does it? I think so. I, I just thought, like, she saw that, like, Wink was going to die, and it was kind of like... Cool. <laughs> because then later, Midnight's, like, I felt her heartbeat, and Wink is like, it could be, like, 2000, it could be, like, 200, like, it could be really long. 
She's like, it could be short, it could be long. What does she say? What she said? And it's kind of like, maybe. Okay, so like, she, you're I gonna die gonna at some point. Young. Okay, like that's yes, not whatever. that's not news for anybody. <laughs> I mean, it might be news, but like, it maybe shouldn't be. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's really weird, and like, so it seems like Wink's motivation is really just to set up this like fairy tale narrative that she wants. Mm-hmm. Um, which doesn't seem like a strong motivation to me. Neither seem like signs. I just Poppy's. I understand. Like I totally get Poppy. The end. Like I get it. Like you because had to Poppy explain something, but I kind of was just like the only reason I believed what happened in the end is because the author said it. I'm like, fine, you said it. I feel like Poppy. Pop, none of, sure. The only thing that was really probably hard for Poppy to do was that thing where also Poppy wanted to live in the woods, and so this get, got her the opportunity to live in the woods too. So two for one. But like the only thing that Poppy wouldn't have done by herself just for fun is, like, he's hanging out at that house. So, like, mm-hmm. it didn't seem like the motivations needed to be that strong for freaking Poppy. Because Poppy just did what she wanted all the time anyway. I guess. I don't know. It's basically what comes out is that Wink has been Wink has been the mastermind. Poppy tried to seduce her to get closer to Leaf. And so somehow they set all this up before Midnight even moves. Again, this seems, like, really thin. It seems like if you examined it a little bit more than we are right now at the very end of the night, that, <laughs> that you would find some more holes than even we are right now. It seems a little shaky, the whole idea. Yeah. There's okay a lot of coincidences. That. Whatever. The point is that Wink is like, okay, fine. We'll set this up. That, like, Wink's going to draw Midnight in. Poppy's going to do all this stuff that seems like Poppy's putting in emotion, but really it's Wink. Wink's behind all of it. Wink is the liar, I guess, of this mm-hmm. story. Again, hero, villain, liar. Wink is the liar, and she's going to trick everyone. Wink is the one who writes the notes to the yellows and to midnight. Mm-hmm. Um, Poppy's literally just hanging out in the woods. Poppy's just chilling. And um, Wink goes as far as she's like leaving the jasmine oil in. Yeah. In midnight's room to she's, make it seem like Poppy's been there. Right. She's writing the letters. She also like when they do the seance, she puts lavender or jasmine oil in all of the candles. When they light the candles, it like smells like Poppy. Mm. When like. Which yeah, she's just copying her mannerisms. She's copied her handwriting. Like, it's all Wink masterminding it, which, again, seems shaky, but fine, whatever. Um, and and it's just because Wink, like, she's had the... She's kind of consumed, I guess, by thoughts of her own death. Plus, her father abandoned her, her and her family. And so she thought she's, like... I think the whole setup for her is, like, she's so into fairy tales. She's so into these archetypes. And she's like, I thought my father was the hero, but he wasn't. But Midnight will be. So she's going to make Midnight the hero. And to do that, she has to set all this in motion. Is this pretty shaky? Uh, yeah. Whatever. That's the story. And so it's all wink. And then at the very, very end, um, like, we're in the 200s of the pages. And it ends on 247 or something. So, like, the very, very end. Um... Midnight, and this is, like, the driving point of the point, the book, which if you didn't see that coming, I don't know how to help you. Um, at 2.32, I'm quoting now, so, Wink wasn't a villain. She wasn't a hero. People aren't just one thing. They never are, they never ever are. Wink was flesh and blood. She was bad and she was good. She was real. This is, like, all separate lines, by the way. And at least I was finally going to get to know her now, the real her, whatever. So, the whole point of this book, which if you couldn't see it coming from the subtitle, now you do because Midnight has made the subtext text. No one's really a hero. No one's really a villain. Like, all no these people. No one's all villain. No one's all hero. Yeah. There's, everyone's a mixture. Yeah. We're just people. We're not archetypes. Yeah. Which, 
which they like had said a little subtler earlier, and honestly probably should have left it at that. Yeah. There's okay. a, there's one point in which um, Wink is like talking about the hero in the book, mm-hmm. and she talks about how a good hero has a little darkness in them because it brings out the light a little. That's bit more. what Wink. That's what Midnight's brother said to Midnight. I think whatever that's what you told me earlier (laughs) and I thought you were right then so yeah someone's brother it might it was either Leaf or Alabama I'm pretty sure it's Alabama I'm like 90% um Alabama Wink is like or Midnight is like obsessed with Alabama he like talks about Alabama all the freaking time he's like I wish Alabama was here to tell me what to do (laughs) Alabama and his mom are in France for reasons that we don't even need to get into whatever his family situation is weird but like really fine everybody else is too so whatever um Buttercups is probably cool. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Thomas? Thomas? Everything's probably fine for Thomas. His name is Thomas. In a town where people are naming their kids Buttercup and Wink and Midnight, someone named their kids Thomas. So that seems like the stable household to be born into. Yeah. Anyway, so 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 that's the, that's the story. That's basically, like, not everyone, like, everyone, people aren't one just just one thing, which is a, a message that, again, was driven home in exactly that explicit detail that I just quoted to you, which I think really takes away from the impact. Like, I feel, I, I really, like, especially, uh, given the fact that the, the inside of the book, you know, the synopsis, the front, the, what is this called? Inside flap, uh-huh. the back cover, or whatever, the subtitle, all of this drove this message home, and then it's driven home, like, driven, good God. Drove it. Drove it home. Driven home. You know how sometimes, okay, the word is bought, the past participle of buy is bought in English. If you're not careful, you say boughten. Have you ever done that? No, I've never done that. Well, pay attention, because you might have. I probably have, I'm sure. It's really easy to do, as I found. Um, anyway, that's not important English is a hard language. I feel like this is something we've come across multiple times throughout the YA books we've read. And travels. one of our biggest complaints is yeah. when they're like, here is the moral of the story. Yeah, and there's like, no Stop. subtlety. I and, I and here there was very little subtlety to begin with. Right, it's set up so fairy tale paralleled. Yeah, if you didn't, if you didn't understand, like, I don't know how to help you if you didn't understand it by the end. I mean, we're a little bit whiny because when this happened, or we whined when the girls, like, didn't have any moral. We were like, we whined there, too. We whined, <laughs> we are never happy. That's our right. <laughs> we're sometimes happy. There are books we liked, okay? We can name them. Not YA books. Just kidding. We really liked Crown's Game. Study in Charlotte was our favorite. We loved Study in Charlotte. Crown's Game is up there, though. Crown's Game is good. Finding Audrey was good. Yeah. Enjoyable. Didn't, I really, really expected to dislike that book. I don't think you guys understand how much I expected to dislike Finding Audrey and how much I was like, I okay with I did it. not have high hopes, and I was like, oh, this is fun. I expected to have a negative reaction. Most of the time I expect to have a neutral reaction to things. And then normally I didn't. Yeah, I didn't think Finding Audrey was going to be good, but I thought it was It I was fun. It was nice. And I, it was great. Anyway, this is not about Finding Audrey. The if point you is. listen to our Finding Audrey podcast, go You should. It. <laughs> it's out there. Why haven't you? Um, this is higher quality, I think. We've said more stuff, but that's fine, whatever. Um, let me see how the sound is from my, um, yarn just, basket. We're just yelling into the microphone. <laughs> we're trying to do better. Slow process. It was extremely anyway, slow that process. All, that's the whole plot. That's much. the book. Midnight goes to France at the end. It ends with Poppy living out in the land by herself. Her parents try to, her parents finally show back up from their doctor's conference, and they're like, Poppy, you have to come back to our house. And she's like, no. She's like, I was a horrible person there, and it's going to make me a horrible person, and here I'm nice. And I'm not leaving again. 
right. Okay. And they're like, okay, so she lives in Golden Apple Mine now. Thank God you picked your life. My parents are like, God. Um, Wink is just Jay chilling. I don't know what Wink is. Wink like. and Midnight have resumed their relationship only now they're being truthful. I, could I guess never. Wink somehow resolved her psychological trauma by psychologically traumatizing someone else. Oh my gosh. Can I cannot ma- Midnight seems like the most normal guy in this. I cannot imagine now dating Wink because Wink is like a psychopath. I guess she's got, again, we're supposed to be led to believe that she's gotten over in it, and, like, now it's... I don't care. <laughs> I mean, I guess technically Wink and Poppy were in agreement. I don't know. There's that weird instance where, like, midnight sexual things happen between him and Poppy after he's involved with Wink, because Poppy showed up in his bedroom, but we'll just leave that alone for right now. They don't have sex, though. <laughs> Do they? I thought they just, like, made out and cuddled. <laughs> I mean, still not ideal. I'm not sure they had sexual intercourse. But I think it was past making out. Like, under the clothes. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> like, tops off. <laughs> I, um. Anyway. How fast do you think I can find that in the book? Not fast enough. Alright, I think that sums up our discussion for Wink Poppy Midnight, unless Paige has something, which honestly would be shocking if she didn't. <laughs> Okay, while Paige is trying to find this, can yeah. I just read you my first note? Yeah, for sure. Wow, this book starts with a bang, literally. <laughs> Wait, what's this start with? It starts with a banging. <laughs> the first time I saw this poppy, I cried. It's the first line. No, but they... they... <laughs> it's like a pun, guys. It's I get freaking it. hilarious. I, get it. <laughs> I didn't get it until I wrote it down, and then I put in parentheses, literally, and thought it was hilarious. And then I also, my second note is poppies are always a-holes. <laughs> um, I mean, it's like a very, oh, here it is, here it's it is. It's a socialite name. Okay, page 103. Oh, can I see it? Before the, before the subheading. Um, yeah. <laughs> so she probably blows him. <laughs> Which, whatever, I didn't pay attention to. <laughs> I have like, a very good, like, self-filter, like, parental control in my brain are, like, pretty high. <laughs> to that ever mm-hmm. since our in our junior year English IB English with Mrs. with Michelle with Michelle <laughs> with Michelle we read Pedro Barama by Juan Rulfo and there's a moment where Susana is like tossing and turning in a bed and we just think it's because she's having a nightmare and so we and so <laughs> so, <laughs> so Michelle is trying to she's, she's trying to go through the book and like Susana has like She's a widow now, but Pedro was her, or Pedro loves Susanna first before she married this other guy, whatever. The point, she's in Pedro's bed now because she's been widowed and Pedro rescued her, but she's tossing and turning in this bed, and we just think she's having a nightmare. All of our, all of us kids. (laughs) And Michelle is like, so what, so what's going on in this passage? And we're all just like, she's Uh. having a nightmare. And she's like, that's, like, no, like, read it again. So we all read it again, and I read it again, and I was like, shit. And I, like, look around, and, like, no, the stunning realization is on no one else's face. And I was, like, keep that to myself. <laughs> and 
and so Michelle, this is bizarre to call our teacher by the first name to preserve, <laughs> preserve their identity. Michelle well, is. We already <laughs> called Richard by his last <laughs> guy. Michelle is like, so what's going on? And there's just silence again, and everyone looks confused, and I'm just like, no way. I'm not speaking. Usually, like, I only like to answer in class if I'm the only one with the answer. Like, if everybody else knows, like, what's the point of raising my hand and saying? But I'm like, I'm not going to. And so, and there's just, like, silence. And Michelle's like, she's having an orgasm. And everyone in the class is like, oh, <laughs> um, It was very, it was very frightening for our whole class. Um, and so, I That didn't happen in my Really? No. It only happened in my class? Yeah. Did your so class already know or what? My <laughs> whole class was like read well, it twice and was like Pedro Yeah. We, Pedro, we did it at a different speed than your class. I remember we finished Pedro literally like a week before you lost it. Well <laughs> we were talking about Susanna's orgasm. So <laughs> we watched we took a little <laughs> bit more time. <laughs> we watched the Spanish movie that was entirely in Spanish with no subtitles and then I gave it subtitles by like <laughs> just telling you Turning it into a zombie movie. It was a zombie movie. Also, that book was confusing as heck in English, so, like, trying to watch that Spanish movie was, like, a, like a complete lost cause. Yeah. Like, it could have been kindergartners acting out, like, I don't know. Anyway, ever since Michelle explicated, opened my class's mind to the fact that passages that really just, like, seemed like they were nightmarish were actually um, sexual Orgasmic. in nature. <laughs> yeah. I've been pretty attuned to that in my books. Um, anyway. Anyway, I don't... Okay, sorry. I was like, they're making out, making out, making out, but then clearly, like, clearly she goes downstairs and, like... (laughs) (laughs) Paige can't handle this. Anyway, so that's fine. I'll finish up the podcast, you guys. Well, okay, I just want to say one more last thing. (laughs) See, I told you, she always has one more last thing. I just want to say... So, okay, at the end. Poppy... Living on the mine by herself, living off the land. Poppy, full girl guide. Cool. She could be a Knowles instructor. Whatever. Wink and Midnight have resumed their relationship and everything's cool and fine-ish. Kind of. I don't know. Whatever. He goes to France for a while. Who cares? Who cares? Hang out with mom in Alabama. But the point is, everything wraps up really nicely. Mm -hmm. And I want to remind everyone in the the middle, we thought they killed Poppy. Like, we thought that that she might have died. And then Due to their actions. Right, and then when we found out she didn't die... She, we thought she went, like, completely insane. And maybe yeah, threw and herself killed herself. In, yeah, into a river because she went so crazy. Exactly. So, this book was, like, had some dark shit happening in the middle. Mm-hmm. But at the end, and this is, again, again, making the subtext text, characters and their monologuing, in case you were, in case you as a YA reader were so dumb that you couldn't figure it out for yourself. Sorry. Um, not really, because I think everyone figured that out for themselves. Kind of like one of the, I think it's Wink monologues about like everyone gained redemption, everyone has ever after, and I'm just so, so if you couldn't figure out that the book was eventually about redemption, someone monologues it for you, but to me this is a very very cheap redemption, because in the middle again, we thought that someone might have died, that the third the, of our three narrators, one of them had died because of two of the other narrators' actions, or maybe had killed herself or like whatever. There's this dark stuff like. These people do really profoundly, like, horrible things. Like, mm-hmm. very, very wrong things. Things that, in the real world, typically have really horrible consequences. But they never suffer the consequences. There's these, like, two weeks of, like, being frightened and worried and being like, oh, where'd she go? And trying to look for her and trying to find her. Mm-hmm. And they burn down a house. Right. And maybe someone almost dies in the house for her, but they don't. 
It and and like Wink's mom finds out and she's not happy, but she doesn't do anything either. And Midnight's dad is just like she doesn't throw out the window. I I respect privacy, so like whatever. Like <laughs> like that's basically Midnight's dad's whole line. So he's just sits in the attic. He's like an auctioneer. <laughs> Midnight's dad knows something's up, but doesn't he won't ask about it. He won't push. Um, and I just like I can't. For me, it seemed like a very cheap redemption. Like everything worked out fine in the end. We find we learned the life lesson, but no one suffered the consequences of their actions. And I just like okay, fine. Everyone got redeemed. We learned the lesson. We got a moral, but it was very very cheap to me. Like it was uh-huh. very to me. Like I sp- <laughs> again, like one of the th- <laughs> I'll never stop talking about my summer job. One of the things that we talked about is, like, safety is not an accident. And the idea that, like, the fact that, like, if things go well, like, that's not luck. Like, that's because a lot of people thought about it. And we we did the right things. And, like, people were intentional with the actions they had. The actions they did. And, like, people weren't dumb. Um, and to me, that this is just, like, this is all, like, a series of incredible coincidences. <laughs> that should be our book. We should write a series. Instead of series of unfortunate events, there'll be series of incredible coincidences. Oh my gosh, this is a million dollar idea, and I just want to say that we've just, we've copyrighted it, guys. Don't worry. Um, We're going to have a timestamp on this, so you can't steal it. Um, And I just, like, these characters got extremely lucky. Like, this is very unrealistic to me. And I just, the redemption to me wasn't there because it was so easy. There were no consequences. There were so many opportunities for bad things to happen where they almost did and they didn't. So, did you have anything you were to say about that? Are you taking a picture of your dog? No, I'm just taking a video of my dog. Oh, a video. Because okay. I just stole his toy and now he's looking for it. So, now he probably won't act like Well, Michelle's entertaining herself and her dog. Okay, but so, alright, let's, let's wrap this up. So, recommendations for books. So, I have two recommendations I want to give because I felt... Um, there were two books that really spoke to me while I was reading this. I didn't even have to think about it later. I thought about it while I was reading the book. So one is an adult level. It's called The Thirteenth Tale by Diane Sutterfield. Um, it was a big deal a while ago whenever it came out. Um, it was displayed a lot in my library, and I finally read it. And basically it is – the premise of the book is it's about sort of this bookseller's daughter, and she sort of gets um, this famous best-selling novelist sort of um, gets her to write her autobiography. And so it's sort of the push and pull between um, novels and truth and, like, fiction and facts, basically. Um, Because this novelist has given, like, 19 different versions of her life to the press over her career. So she's not been candid about anything that's happened. She's just given a different version every time. And this bookseller's daughter is like, I'm a biographer. I deal with facts. Um, And so it's sort of it's the unraveling of that. Um, and it has a lot of, it's very, like, gothic novel-y. Um, so if you like Jane Eyre, I hated Jane Eyre, but whatever. If you like that or Rebecca yeah. or any of these gothic novels, like, you'll be really into this because it's very similar in tone and sort of content-ish. It's um, getting quite close to your laptop. It's okay. I think it's fine. Um, Just don't pause it, Marlon. Yeah, careful there, Marlon. Don't um, read it. <laughs> and it has a lot to do with reading in books. It's very steeped in, like, literary culture. Um, it's very much a love letter to reading, and it's something, like, I still remember, like, vividly, like, a couple of passages about reading in books um, that, like, really, really spoke to me in this book. Because one of the things we didn't talk about with Wink Poppy Midnight when we spent an hour and a freaking 45 minutes on plot and drunk ramblings um, was the prose. 
Um, we talked a little bit about it. Very briefly, yeah. Um, it was very airy. It was very, like, rambly-ish, but still complete senses, like we said. Um, but The Thirteenth Tale is a novel with, like, beautiful writing um, that has, like, I read it, I think, my freshman year of high school, and I still remember certain passages and certain sentiments. So it's very good. Um, the other novel we wanted to recommend is Girlwood by somebody I can't remember. And then that's a YA novel. We very, I don't think we've ever recommended a YA novel, not seriously. Yeah, we have. Really? When? I don't know, but I'm sure we have. No, I'm pretty sure we haven't. I feel like I definitely have when I give recommendations. Oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's on the bad. That's true. All right. This might be the first time I've recommended a YA novel, though. So mine is Girlwood, and it is about a girl who I think her sister I think the premise is I don't remember a lot of it in terms of like I remember a lot of the story but not a lot of how it gets set up and I think what happens is that the protagonist's older sister sort of like runs away she has like family problems so what she does is she basically um, there's like a new agey grandmother in the story and so she she's learned a lot from her grandmother and basically this protagonist she retreats to the woods and she um, she lives by herself in the woods, I think, right? Yeah. Um, and she's trying to protect the woods from development, from being torn down or whatever. The point of the story is that it's sort of like, sort of like magic-y, sort of like new agey. She's really into auras. This is the book that got Michelle and I really into talking about our aura colors. There's a lot the of auras um, and colors. Um, I'm mm. <laughs> positive. Merlin, please be careful. Merlin, stop. <laughs> I put it on the top of the bookshelf, dude. Merlin is Michelle's dog's name, in case you didn't know this. Merlin? Mer no, 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 no. There's court. No. <laughs> Absolutely. No. Merlin. For real, no, though. Okay, sorry. We are super professional, guys. It's 1130 here. Just, just FYI, y'all. Ask Merlin's bedtime. He gets overtired like a toddler. <laughs> yeah, we have an overstimulated toddler in the room and two drunk girls. Two drunk drugs. I'm um, almost called as young women because I feel bad every time people call like adult women girls. I'm kind of like, we can, we can um, is she 13 or is she 27? Sorry. Okay. But we've purposely chosen girls. One day we might talk about that. That's true. We should talk about that. I'm Not today because this today. podcast is effing long. I'm positive that my, my aura is green, that I have a green aura, but Nichelle has reasons that it's burnt orange. Yeah. And I'm positive Nichelle's aura is pink. Or that's the reason that I, I told you your aura was pink. Yeah. We're really into that because of this book. So if you like the magic-y aspect, the nature-y aspect, um, but you want more of a better story. <laughs> a better story with, like, less crazy and less, like, a plot holes. Less crazy, yeah. Um, and like a lot less crazy. clearer writing. Girlwood is just the way for you. Yeah, aura, that really did get, kick us off in our lives. We had several emails dealing with, like, aura colors. There are times in which I would just stare at people because I just really wouldn't miss Do I aura. technically believe in auras or new age stuff ever at all? Uh, no. But also, like, I'm sure my aura is green. It's definitely orange. I have, like, very strong opinions about Paige's aura. I feel like I maybe your orange opinion. is just most people's green, you know? No. So Halloween, is it green for you? What? During Halloween time, you see a lot I of just green. feel like the characteristics you're ascribing to orange is the characteristics that other people are ascribing to green. I don't really want to bear. We don't need to get into this on the podcast. Let's wrap it up before we get to our hearts. 
get to the eight? No. Let's, let's, okay. Let's, let's, let's yeah. So let's get this on. We're going to rate this book, and then we'll recommend We already recommended. Yep. We normally rate first. You were busy playing with your dog, but yeah, we're ready. Okay, All right. so on... The books in the, the name... The books in this name. The names in this book were freaking weird. There was never any explanation. We were just supposed to say, oh, that's what we wanted to talk about. We're going to talk about archetypes and fairy tales. We did not Whoops. Archetypes were clearly a big thing. Fairy tales were clearly a big thing. It was all over the damn place. Um, hero and villain archetypes are all over. To me, it never worked. The archetypal structure never worked for the book because I never, I never saw it. I mean, like, Poppy just, like, some of these people just seem like straight-up villains, straight-up, like, you know, I don't see how Poppy as a villain suddenly turns into Poppy a hero, you know? Yeah. It never worked for me. The archetypes were never... I feel like as, as a society we've been very conditioned when we're looking at um, literature most of the time that we have we really like to humanize our bad guys. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to believe any villain is like just straight up a villain. And Poppy really tries to get you to believe that. <laughs> and she's like, no, I just literally have no empathy and I don't care about anyone else. But I feel like that's hard to buy with a villain. Like it's easier to buy with a hero, especially when your villain is your narrator. It's like that's like we know better now like we yeah that's one of our favorite new genres is like right the anti-hero right yeah i get that but i also like i never saw like okay so poppy was set up to be the villain from the beginning but we know from the subtitle from the subtext we made text from everything that um that all that structure was supposed to be inverted right but i never saw poppy as a hero ever i don't see ever what she did with it was heroic she saved herself. Okay, fine. That's, I don't know if that's considered heroic. Is that heroic? heroic? I feel like there has to be some selflessness to be a hero. Exactly. If you save yourself, that's not selfless. And that's it, yeah, the, and like, was the structure really a quest? Like, there wasn't a quest aspect. It was more like, we made these problems ourselves, and now we have to fix it. Well, I think that becomes, that becomes uh, kind of what's happening is we kind of find out that that the fairy tale structure, the archetypal structure that we would like to fit things into, don't actually work. Mm. And so Wink's trying to force these archetypes uh. onto the characters, and like that's not what's happening. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, I guess that's true. Like, yeah, of course we want to read lives, our lives as fairy tales. Right. Like, we want to be the heroes of our own story. There's a reason fairy tales and archetypes are so freaking popular. Because, because it's a story that deeply speaks to like everybody. Right. We would like to be. I think everyone would like to be entirely a, a good guy. Mm-hmm. No one's like, well, I want to have a little bad of me. Right. Um, and, like, yeah, we, we want, like, a quest, ar- a structure yeah. that's epic, like, something so that is... growth and we can... You yeah. know, no one, you know... And I think what happens is that... Graduating from college and, like, kind of being, like, underemployed and, like, living at home, like, that's not, like... It doesn't make a great story. It's not a narrative that necessarily makes yeah. sense. The fact that Wink is gonna die, and I don't know if it's young or not, whatever. Wink is like her destiny is to die, which is essentially everyone's destiny to die. Mm-hmm. Does not really make sense? It doesn't make for this like heroic journey. The end goal is not. Yeah, she, she wants to make a hero. it. The end goal is she is she disappears. Right. She's not alive anymore, mm-hmm. and so I think she's trying to make meaning by forcing these archetypal journeys upon the people around her. Yeah. When they, like, really don't fit, because that's not how life works. Our lives are not these quests, these singular, like, trajectories, straightforward paths. That's not how life works. 
not at least from like the vantage point of like actually being in it and living it right. for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, if you want a nonfiction book that deals with some of these, like if you're really into like the mythology and like that kind of stuff and the psychology or whatever sort of ish behind it, psychoanalysis, um, there's a nonfiction book called Women Who Run With the Wolves. Um, Myths and Stories of the Wild Woman Archetype by Clarissa Pinkola Estes. And she's a psychoanalyst who, like, collected all this folklore from different cultures and writes about it. And, like, it's, it's super new agey. Like, it's super, like... You go read some Joseph Campbell, too. Yeah. It's <laughs> um, but, it, like, it is kind of cool. <laughs> um, you know, there's a reason that archetypes are so present in so much folklore. You know, there's a reason these stories are really prevalent um, and deeply ingrained in the traditions of a lot of cultures and societies and speak to because almost they everyone. Because they make our lives make sense. They give our lives meaning. Yeah. Yeah, that's that. Anyway, let's rate this book. <laughs> so we're rating this book on a scale of celebrity baby names. Yeah. Because these children have celebrity baby names. Yeah. Um, so, so from Moon Unit Zappa, which I think we can all agree is the freaking word. Low point. I don't, I don't know who, whatever. I don't know what's wrong with these people. I don't know how you get famous and suddenly like, yeah, we should name the kid. Like, kind of reminds me of Outliers. Remember in Outliers, they talk about like how names flow down the economic ladder. So like, I don't remember that at all in Outliers. Um, I think it was an Outlier. It might have been in Freakonomics. Was it Freakonomics? I remember something about naming in Freakonomics. I read those like at the same time. Where someone like a mother. All I remember from Freakonomics about naming was that a mother meant to name her daughter her daughter Tempest and named her daughter Temptress. Um, no, there's just this conversation. That's all I remember. I think it might have been a freaking knowledge. So they talk about, like, they can trace the economic, the average economic, uh... Yeah, freakonomics for sure. Yeah. Class of a name. And yeah. how it slows down. So it's gonna start with the wealthiest, mm-hmm. and then it's gonna go to the most impoverished. So mm. I think celebrities kind of are, I guess, at the top of the chain. Maybe in 20 years we'll have a lot of apples and blues running around. Well, I think it's really, because, like, celebrity names, people just, like, roll their eyes, whatever. But then, like, you think of, like, when people hear names like, I don't know, like, LaShawn, like, names like that, mm-hmm. people have a very, like, there's a stigma around it. Right. That it's, like, this is a black name or, like, mm-hmm. a very low-class name. Right. Um, for sure. But then you have celebrities naming their, their kids Moon Apple Unit. And like, Moon Unit. You know, so, yeah, it's very... And, like, they're fine, they're protected, they're in a bubble because they're a celebrity. And so their kid's never going to, like, bear any stigma for being named Apple, whatever, because she's Gwyneth Paltrow's daughter. Like, this is never going to be a problem for her. But, like, you know, a normal person whose name is... Apple. Lakeisha, or whatever, on a a resume, like, still absolutely discriminated against. So that stigma. Stigma. Yeah. Anyway, side note about celebrity names, our bottom of the scale is a moon unit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and the top of our scale is Serafina. Which is a pretty name, but I don't think it would ever work for a person. Right, it's like a beautiful name, but it's also a name that, like, You can't is a lot. go to first grade <laughs> with that name, you know? Yeah, she could just go with Sarah. Ooh. I, I don't like the name Sarah. Sorry if you're a Sarah. Sarah's boring. Well, your real name's Serafina, though, so you're like, my name isn't boring, though. I, Whatever. I don't like it. Whatever, Okay. Nish, I'll pick that. Nish, I'll pick Serafina. <laughs> and we're giving this book <gasps> Moxie Crime Fighter. And we found this name online, obviously, because I don't actually, I don't keep a roll of Celebrity Baby Names <laughs> in my head. Um, but somebody... I left mine at, it's somewhere in the garage. 
So, so somebody named their kid Moxie. Middle name Crime Fighter. One word apparently. C capitalized and then the F and fighter capitalized. Moxie Crime Fighter. Okay. Like, what the hell is the justification? There's also a Bronx Mowgli out there. Okay, sure. I mean, my name's kind of weird. What's wrong with weird. people? Anyway, that's all we have for you. If you want more, we have a lot of podcasts online. Or you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Um, on Twitter, we're SmartGirlsYA. On Instagram, we're SmartGirlsYAStacks. And if you still haven't had enough of us, you can go ahead and send us an email. Please do. We'd like to know your thoughts. On anything. On about celebrity baby names. We've covered a lot of topics. So we obviously. Power, Mean Girls, Taylor Swift. Most importantly, Taylor Swift. Um... Literally anything. I do want to point out. Okay, sorry, 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 sorry. You can email us at Smart Girls Mariah Stacks. Bye. I will say this book. The acknowledgments. We're done. I'm sorry. The, the acknowledgments are done in like um, not bullet points, but almost. She just like it's like a list, and she's just like names. Jessica Garrison. Bam. Everyone I like it. I like, appreciated that. I do appreciate it. I just want to mention because I forgot to mention it before in the last podcast on the ruining. The ruining's acknowledgments were like legit, like three and a half pages long so long it was, it was i think it's the longest acknowledgement section i've ever seen in my entire freaking life and i'm just like is this the novel that justifies a three and a half long page acknowledgement section i don't think so and then i started to think and i didn't even realize until i started thinking about it sorry 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 sorry, sorry. like people who write legit novels they don't have an acknowledgement section well, tony morrison is not writing an acknowledgement section you dedicate your book to someone yeah dedications are different though but all these YA novels with three and a half page acknowledgements, like, guys. I get it. Think about your novel and think about how many acknowledgements, how long should your acknowledgements be? Just write be? those people thank you notes. How good is your book? Is it three and a half pages of acknowledgements good? My dog definitely just broke that book, so. Whatever, it's a library. It's 